0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, I'm super excited about this episode. This is, um, I recently went and watched this film called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It was a visual, delicious treat. It was really awesome. I'm sure a lot of you that are listening has seen it as well. It was just really great. And I instantly tried to figure out, okay, well, who was responsible for these visuals? I knew that Alberto Miergo's work was obviously um, um, very important on the, the visual impact of this, of the film. Um, but I eventually just kind of, you know, started browsing the internet, finding some artists and, um, found Patrick O'Keefe's work. Patrick is an an illustrator and art director, and he's worked on, uh, really extensively on some huge parts of this film. His work's incredible. It's really, really beautiful. And it was just awesome getting a chance to meet him. He was, he was just a natural doing podcasts. So I was really thankful for that. Um, and we just had a really great conversation. I was, this is also kind of a unique episode because I don't normally have co-hosts, but when, uh, this film came out, my friend Olaf Lomaris, um, who's co-hosting this episode, um, hit me up. He's like, dude, you guys see Spider-Man. And it was, I was right in the middle of a, of a production and I couldn't, didn't have a lot of time. Um, but I knew I needed to see the film in, in the theater because it's how you see it. And so um, I knew how big of a fan he was of this. So I was like, hey, I'm getting Patrick on the podcast. Come and join us. So we had a, just a, a really great conversation. Really, um, it's a blessing when these episodes just kind of flow and they they have a life of their own and they're very natural. And, um, yeah, it was just a really great conversation. We primarily focused mostly on Spider-Man, the, the, the production of it, and just the the things that Patrick had learned through the production of it, and the lessons, and just all like you know ups and downs, and the great things, and just just capturing that lightning in a bottle. I think so many of these conversations, as you know, are about like how does great work get made? How does great work get sustained? How do you meet great people? How do you work with great people? All these things that we all desire and 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 long for in our careers. Um, and this episode sheds even more light, if not um, emphasizes and exposes the fact that a lot of these common threads and common threads and things in these episodes are con- very much interlinked and connected. Um, so it's just a really great episode. We talk a lot about just um, you know we talk a bit about art education. So students out there that listen to the podcast are going to enjoy this because think patrick dropped some really really sound advice and information on that too and if you're a fan of spider-man and just um just the film itself you're really going to love this episode because there's a lot of interesting kind of tidbits and bits of information and um, patrick's very transparent about um just how he explains things and stuff which is really great too so and just a big shout out to that entire art crew you guys are amazing the film was brilliant it's a beautiful film super beautiful film um, super enjoyable. It's one of those t- times when you, you know, you, you spend money and time to go to the theater. And for me, it was like, there's zero like regrets. I was like, ah, oh, that, that was really entertaining. It's very fun and very beautiful too. Can't wait f- to get a copy of it at the highest res and just go through it. Uh, we also talk a bit about flat earth. It's <laughs> pretty funny stuff that happens in this episode. Um, yeah, but it was, it's a really funny one. So, um, yeah that's pretty much it there's a there's a lot of things that are covered in this episode but i'll just let you go and enjoy it uh it's gonna be episode 197 we're creeping up there we're getting close to uh, 200 episodes guys super excited about that been doing this episode this podcast for like five years or something now it's crazy time flies um but i hope you enjoy it this is a a special one so uh 197 with patrick o'keefe illustrator and art director extraordinaire here we go
1: I already found your weird doppelganger who wrote a book on the internet that I thought was you. So, oh really? Yeah, yeah he wrote a book. The, on, the... His name's Patrick O'Keefe, and he wrote a book on uh, forum management. And I thought it was you. I was like, this is such a weird story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: there's a, actually there's too many
0: a... of you guys out there, actually.
1: Yeah, I was listening
2: to the your one of your Maché or however you pronounce his name. I should know because I listened. And uh, (laughs) he's going on and on about the name and and how unfortunate it is because no one can pronounce it. And then he's like, but, you know, there's only really one person with my name. And, like, uh, Patrick O'Keefe is, like, the John Smith of Ireland. Yeah. And then, like, (laughs) the second most popular name is, like, Art O'Keefe. So even trying to lock down like an O'Keefe art or artist O'Keefe is impossible. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. There were like three Patrick O'Keefe's that died on the
0: Titanic. Like, there's just (laughs) everywhere. It's terrible. (laughs) There's three of them that live in my house. I mean, it's like a (laughs) a pretty common instance, yeah. Well the next yeah.
1: best thing is to have a name that no one knows how to pronounce and then Disney comes out with a movie with a snowman and then suddenly <laughs> everyone knows how to say your name and you're like, all right, well one yeah. battle for another, I guess. Yeah yeah real original name and then all of a
2: sudden everyone knows how to pronounce it. You're looking yeah. you're like at life
0: movie. You know, you know, you have to like, outlive that. You have to. You're a grown man that has to beat a snowman from a Disney movie.
1: I was here first,
0: man. Yeah, I don't know. In my life, the snowman was there first, and then I met you. So, and <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works in reality. Damn it! <laughs> there's, even like, uh, <laughs> there's even like.
2: There's uh, even like you guys have probably seen Band of Brothers. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a Patrick O'Keefe who shows up at the end, and he's like an absolute <laughs> pussy. Uh,
3: Nailed you know, it. He's all
2: like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's all like, "Oh, geez, I'm real excited to shoot some Nazis, guys. This is this is great." And they're just like, "Oh, O'Brien, you piece of shit. They won't even pronounce his name right."
3: <laughs>
2: I'm <was> so
0: disappointed. <laughs> you're all, "Damn yeah. it! You're just dis- you're dismissing my name. I hate this." Yeah, for, yeah.
1: The, for the longest time, I was trying to count all the times my name was mentioned. And ironically, it's mentioned in Titanic. He's the guy that... Um, Serves him food or something? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio loses his ticket or wins his ticket from. You went, <laughs> all right, Olaf, what's your bet? What's your call? And he wins his ticket and goes, I'm like, I survived the Titanic. Yeah,
2: three. I, Titanic. I, I, I died three times. No, <laughs> you're doing great. In
0: each movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, every so movie ever made. You're in Fast and Furious, yeah. you're in Jurassic Park, you're the first guy to it, die in Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. That would be a pretty good stick. That would be. No, it was actually, I'm I'm somewhat decent at uh, internet searching and it was weird. I was like, I found your website on my phone pretty quickly and then I went on my computer and uh, miraculously I got lost trying to find your site because you have like 40 different sites and I was like, wait, which one is which? And I can't tell what's going uh, on. Yeah. Thankfully, that you have is, a unique art style. That's what that's that that saved the day, and I eventually found you. So, yeah, and well, I was have like, through a, your book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, this guy really turned his career
2: around.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like even.
2: Uh, For a while, I was like, all right, I got to like come up with like uh, an alternate, like a moniker or something here. So I went with uh, the OK Artist and um, (laughs) it was like after Dead Space, one of the Dead Space games, we were doing a book signing and these people were like, oh you must be Theo. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, Oh, Theo, Theo Cardis. Like, we loved your work, man. We're So was like, can we get your signature? And I was just like, holy <laughs> shit. I didn't, <laughs>
3: you didn't put it like, my-
2: no, not at all. And then, um, before spider verse dropped, I was like, I gotta <laughs> get my, I gotta get my like." internet game straight before this movie comes out and uh i shit you not i went and like switched over to a new handle and everything and then i wrote i wrote why i was like yeah i made the joke i was like and i'm sick i'm sick of people calling me theo and (laughs) at least 10 people were like 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 the you know blinking emoji <laughs> and just being like holy shit i just realized your name's not theo the entire time i thought your name was theo and i was just like see win, see?
0: win bro yeah, just yeah. prove my point yeah oh that's sketchy yeah. dude attention spans i guess or like you can't blame them if you're putting it out there and you're spelling it as theo
2: it just looks the way the like the letters fit together it just the looked oh okay, theo cardist <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a great. Just go by that, though. I don't want you to switch yeah. back. To yeah, right I think now. that's actually better. Actually, there,
2: there, there definitely was like a fork in the road, and I was just like, "Well, the brand recognition for Theo is there, yeah, uh, <laughs> and there aren't a lot." And of your name Theo had an artist artists in it too.
0: Around. That's kind of cool, yeah. You know, artist. No.
1: Like, Cardist, just, yeah. just count it as put on hold like you're just gonna see how this you know O'Keefe goes and then if everything fails yeah. okay I'll go back to Theo <laughs> for the record I'm still holding on to both the uh all the
2: Theo Cardist uh internet handles I oh, didn't give them go, up
3: all right, just nice.
2: in case I wasn't that committed <laughs> I'm not that committed to my
0: my birth name yet I think you should do it man <laughs> just go full in commit it to can be your artist's yeah
2: yeah but well, now that i've like beaten out patrick o'keefe from uh band of brothers on imdb i think i'm locked in so <laughs> that, was, that was like that, that's like my lifelong goal is to erase that guy from the <laughs> he's listening to patrick
0: o'keefe be careful he's a big fan of the Collector podcast he's gonna be, <laughs> he's gonna be pissed dude he's coming after you whatever his name yeah. is yeah
3: yeah,
2: whatever. Whatever. Like, yeah. His name. Whatever that bozo's name is.
0: Isn't that a bummer? Because he's like a normal person. Hopefully, you know, like actually, probably like a good guy. And then because he was on this show, he's like a bozo. That's great. Yeah. 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 I
2: mean, I mean, the guy, the guy served in the Second World War. He's probably, you know, he's probably a great guy. I mean, he's right. <laughs> although I gotta say, this guy didn't seem that intelligent. He, I would be shocked if he's still kicking. Oh, I'm
0: yeah, <laughs> we made it this far. <laughs> yeah, oh man. Well, thanks for uh, that. Was great, that was a nice uh, introduction to the podcast. Welcome here to the collective podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is how it works, it's very uh, freestyle. I haven't had uh, a co-host in quite some time now. So yeah, this is going to be fun. Uh, Olaf. And after
1: uh, this, you're probably not going to for a while. Who knows?
0: <laughs> better not mess it up, bro. <laughs> lots weighing on your, 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 on your shoulders here. No, like, um, we, I went out. Well, I think I was really busy at the time, and Olaf was like,
3: Bro, you gotta
0: see Spider-Verse. Ah, oh. you like kept blowing me up. I'm like, All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I wanted to see it no matter what, because I, I didn't know who you were, Patrick, yet at the time. I knew of this artist named Theo, but I didn't know who mm. Patrick guy was. But, um, the, but rep, I, <laughs> the rep grows bigger. <laughs> but I knew, yeah. I knew Alberto prior to all this, and then. Um, I had introduced him to Mike Winkleman, people who was, I knew that they were working on this together, and like, um, and I, I know Von Ling, and so I knew a lot of people that were working on it. So I knew that it was going to be a very special visual delight um, film, and and it was it delivered like tremendously. Um, so it was really cool. It was really cool being able to see a film at this time with that kind of style. It was really great because uh, it was very unique. So it was really cool to be able to to see that and then I was like oh yeah we got to we got to talk to some of these artists cuz this is really an impactful film visually it's really great you know so
1: yeah um, it's it's it's
2: really um i mean this thing is built on the shoulders of so many incredible artists um all the way from you know alberto or even before with like the creation of miles and just who he was as a character and then of course the film and um, the early early guys on the film, like you said, Von Lanning, Peter Chan, you know, who was around for most of it. And then Alberto and Rob Ruppel and Neil Ross, a lot of guys whose work I've loved forever and always looked up to. And then all the artists that came on later, like myself and our production designer, Justin K. Thompson, and the other art director, Dean Gordon, um, Zach Retz. Wendell, uh, the lit I can never, we, we have, he won't even tell me how to pronounce his name. Right. He just likes watching people. <laughs> you, just struggle. Nice,
0: you just have the, you're just reading off the title cards right now. You're just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just there's a ton yeah. of artists. So I still, I'm I, I ordered my, uh, I ordered my, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a lot of breathing. Oh man. What's that? Olaf. Are you getting crazy? It's not me, man. I swear. <laughs> no. Oh, Patrick, you got some mic. What, what? You're mic crying me hard right now. No. Oh, you're uh, just, really? No, it's okay. You're breathing into it super hard.
2: <laughs> I'm breathing. Oh, man, what should I be doing? What can I
0: do for better mic? Uh, don't Set breathe up. into it. Take your scarf off. <laughs> yeah, should
2: I be just sitting up properly? <laughs> yeah,
0: that could help. <laughs> this is great. I'm not Let's editing see, this out, get... by the way. Too. No, so if gee, you're, you're
1: going to be a, if a you're 15 minutes hard to make, it, blame it on Theo.
0: No, I'm, yeah, I'm blaming. <laughs> yeah, I'm blaming on Theo. The art scarf. Theo. The yeah. art scarf. Yeah,
2: that's that. That bozo Yeah, dude.
0: Theo. Um, the
2: no, I was, All right. That's, I'll do, I, I'm going to do my best.
0: Okay, that's good. Well, wherever your mic is, try not to th- put anything into it other than your sweet, sweet voice. Yeah. Sweet, sweet voice. Okay. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> I was saying uh, I ordered. So when I watched the movie, even before I ordered, watched the movie, I went on Amazon. I was like, oh, I got to get this, uh, this art book because I know it's going to be filled with all kinds of stuff. Man, I'm still, I think it got sold out or something because I ordered it like a month before the film came out, pre-ordered it. And I still haven't received it. I'm, I think everybody just got like, they slammed that art book. Is it, I guess it must be really um, popular. Olaf, did you get yours?
1: No, I'm still waiting on it. I tried to find it locally and I can't find it anywhere. So I mm. ordered it and it's one day it'll get here.
0: Yeah, someday. Yeah, I'm okay with that because yeah. usually Amazon's pretty good at that. But I imagine... Yeah, it. Uh, got, it got yeah,
2: one. I feel like it disappeared uh, <laughs> real quick.
0: <laughs> yeah, because some movies uh, you, you can get it like... The day you try to buy it, it's already like used and cheap and like, yeah, you, crap. You, you know? come out of the movie and you're like, "Oh, there's the concept art book." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's already discounted because the movie is like, oh, "Yeah." Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but this one is like, "Yeah, it's in high demand." I can, I can totally see why. You know, like especially browsing your work and then like, because um, you did the art for the cover too, right? I
2: did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh that was Theo or it was is that, is that you? The, okay. no, that was all me.
0: Oh, damn. Nice. Okay. Theo's listening to you by the way, so I'm just
2: Yeah, yeah. He's around. <laughs> um Yeah, that was that was a huge get um like opportunity. They they asked I had just done the teaser poster and um the production designer asked what I want to do the art of the book cover, which is like every artist dream I feel like to do mm-hmm. it like to be in an art of book is like a dream, you know, that's like you grew up, oh, I grew man, up I can imagine. Lo- looking at those things. So the cover was huge, but, but it, it was then followed up with, um, you can't do this during regular studio hours. So it was <laughs> like, uh, an after hours thing because it's weird when you work on these films, um, every hour is accounted for cause you're in the union and so marketing—that's actually like a marketing gig. So I was like freelancing for my own film. Uh, I, I Like after I'd come in on like Saturday and paint it, and then like uh, those to checks
1: like went over. to Theo, and the other yeah. checks went. To Patrick. So it was like Theo's the Who marketing
0: artist, guys? actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: they live in it, the same. It was place. weird. Uh, no, it's weird
2: on this film, um, which isn't common. So at least at Sony pictures and I'm pretty sure everywhere else on this film, because the art style was so specific. Um, all the marketing stuff were like 90% of it, it had to be done by artists actually working on the film. Yeah. Which, um, makes which, sense. which, which, yeah, which made for just like people like, just like I said, like double shifting basically.
0: Interesting. That's, that's something crazy. that's another detail that I think a lot of people aren't aware of just be the, behind the curtain in the business of things because oftentimes on movies and almost all the movies that I've worked on is it's very rare for the, the like the marketing side to use the same artist or the art or the people from the film production to do the because they would usually what they do is they'll just hire like an outside studio to go like hey we're making yeah. this film and blah, blah blah and then they either they'll either nail it or do something really good or but most of the time, it's like, "Well, this is weird, and it doesn't even make sense." So it's really cool that, um, I think it makes sense, right? And I would imagine the directors are like, "No, it has to be this style. Like, you can't like have Finding Nemo renders representing this movie, <laughs> you know, like, or some kind yeah, of weird it, interpretation because it is so, uh, it's such a unique style and look to the film itself." Yeah,
2: it was a real, um, interesting mirror to look at when it came back from marketing the stuff that they did, because there's things in the film that people really latch on to like the, the CMYK offsetting or the like, um, pan, the, the halftone dots and and stuff like that. People really jump, jump onto that stuff. And when you see a lot of like the fan art or the marketing art, they go super heavy handed with it because yeah. it's the thing that stands out to them the most. Yeah. Um, and then, so it would come back and you're like, Oh, I, I can see why they think this looks like the movie, but this does not look like the movie at all. Like this looks mm-hmm. like, it looks like some fan art or something like that. And it's just because, um, for a lot of people, it was a, a very different looking project, you know, it looked very different than and they'd seen or, or worked on. And so it might've been like, they, I think they were in like a bit of stylistic shell shock. to now have to replicate that and be like, oh, I I don't know what this... I don't understand this. But then there's this whole group of artists that we mentioned before um, that originally Alberto brought on and then other people came on from different places that like were all kind of thinking the same way. That was the most incredible thing about the project is um, I think everybody who worked on the project has a group of people around them that says... I see you all over this film. Everything I see in the film, I see. I, I know you did it. And you're like, oh, no, no, that guy did that. I did this. Someone else did that and the other thing. And at first I was just like, oh, my friends just don't really know what the hell they're talking about. Or like, what does my mom know, you know? And then after a <laughs> while I was like, oh, you know what's crazy is actually like there was like 20 – Concept artists at one point in time throughout this film, it seems that we're all kind of on the same page um, stylistically, but also in terms of just their taste and point of view on the world, it seems. And that's what made it such like a wild process and a crazy place to work. People would draw on top. You thought you were like a very unique artist and then you end up in a room full of totally unique artists. And then you just you kind of feel like you found your tribe almost.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. There's definitely synergy that happens in there. You can definitely tell and you kind of experience it and see it. Um, yeah. Did that
1: happen naturally or what do you think that was kind of a like a throughput, like a through point where you eventually got there or did you just all of a sudden realize, Hey, we're all kind of jamming on the same wavelengths here.
2: I think probably for every individual, they felt like they were an outsider looking in at some point in time, but the team was kind of assembled um by looking at the the artwork of of these different artists and saying like these people are on the same page they uh they could they all kind of like have the same style and they've gained it in some way maybe they've all just been looking at each other's art i mean i've been looking at like neil ross and um rob Rupel and alberto's work forever you know i have a Mm -hmm. rod i can see a rob Rupel painting from where i'm sitting right now and um so it, it I think it was sort of this like influence. It was people that were attracted to that art style and then added to it in their own way. And um, that attraction was probably just a very natural thing. Like that kind of grew, probably grew out of a bit of um nurture, like how you grew up and what you were into and the types of things you like and have experienced. And so I think it, it was like a natural thing, but then it needed to be assembled. All these people had to, come together and I don't think it, it for me, it was a very unique experience to be surrounded by so many people that were kind of thinking the same way.
0: You got to really hand it to productions and studios and, and, and uh, for, for bringing this kind of thing together, because it's, it's one of those things I know people are kind of cynical at times about like films or movies and bring and like how Hollywood works and all that stuff. But at the same time, you don't, you get these like super class team of super super talented people all in the same place and you just kind of develop and establish styles that are very unique and, um, and just like cultivating this, this style because yeah, all the artists that you mentioned, I'm somewhat familiar with some of them. Um, obviously Rob's work as well. Um, but like there is a, there's a, like a similar through line in the style, which is like very, I would call it very confident color choices, very confident, um, use of color very confident use of like values and uh a very like i i i when I mean, every time i look at like um like i'll just use alberto for example when i look at his work i i see like tremendous style in it that involves like tremendous um confidence i always like that's what that's always the word i go like wow it's such a confident gesture because it's still it's very abstract but it's still very effective um which i always find to be unique because that's kind of with art, it can go either way because you can over, either overwork it, which is, shows insecurity, or you can be very confident in your art, which is like you're showing less. But there's this weird through line where it's like this blend between those two worlds of high detail yet abstraction um, that all kind of ties things together. And like the thing I find that's really interesting is, and one thing I would love to talk about this and further in our conversation here is... When do you know when a piece of art that's in this kind of style or in this vein or in this world, when is it finished and is it ever finished? And how do you decide that?
2: It, it's um it, you know, it's the type of thing it's actually you more often than not, I find it's finished sooner than I think it is. Um, I think they do come to an end and it is sort of, for me, it's sort of the first, or second attempt at letting it go where I step back and really look at it and say like, okay, I think this is going to work. The way I always look at like image making is um, it's me trying to tell a story or present a point of view. And I'm really just trying to get it to the point where it stands up on its own. It doesn't need me to verbally defend it anymore or explain it. so as soon as it's it, it's sort of like as soon as it's standing on its own, it's, it's good to go and live its own life. So you talk about like, oh, there's you know, there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of tricks going on there, too. Like you put an intense amount of detail into a few things and draw the viewer in there. You can you can get away with a whole lot of abstract or inferred detail elsewhere in the composition that the mind will sort of fill in. Yes. as a result and then only under like further circumstance you're like that doesn't look like the thing it says it is uh but but that's the fun part i've always kind of enjoyed this idea that um the mind is going to try to fill in the blanks like your mind your reptilian brain is so concerned with knowing what's going on that it's going to pull all this information together and fill in major major gaps that's why like as a kid, like some coats on a coat rack could look like a monster because like, and you'll get freaked out and it, your, your, your ego self is like, Oh man, that I feel silly. But your reptilian self is like, well, it wasn't a monster and we're not dead. So I think we're, we're, you know, who cares? Yeah. Um, and so I always like this idea that, that when it comes to that abstraction is like, if you get it in the right if, if you get it in the right amount of abstraction, but you have enough factors that are are, are real or, or really described, the brain, the audience um, like starts working. Your the audience's brain starts like you know going into over, a little bit of overdrive here and it gets excited because it's doing the work to connect the dots. Yeah. So that right amount of abstraction is actually like – it becomes almost more engaging. It's almost – it's like a little visual puzzle.
3: Yeah. Um, well, it's like good films that
1: of it. get you thinking about it, right? As opposed to just feeding you all the information and all the points. It's like, well, think about this shot and the next shot and the next scene and how these stories come together and how they got there and why they're there as opposed to telling you everything, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so to answer like the question of what, when is it done, it's sort of like done as – As soon as possible, as soon as it's, Mm -hmm. as soon as it's, I'm confident it's going to stand up on its own and and be able to um, hold it, you know, hold itself accountable and describe itself. That's when it's done. And um, I think that's like what kind of makes it never feeling too overworked because um my my father-in-law has this great saying because my wife always does this it's like he always says like you're selling past yes it's sort of like she's convinced somebody of her point and then you're still it's like yes i agree with you and then they keep going you're like yeah you're selling past yes i you got me i agree with you yeah and i think the artwork shouldn't, shouldn't try to shouldn't shouldn't try too hard to convince you of its point of view. It just sort of does its thing and says like, you know, Hey, come on in if you're interested.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that that's another, that's a perfect way of looking at it. And it's also psychologically, I think why a lot of people myself included are fans of this style because it is, it's like a creative mind style of art. That's like very appealing because you are, not you're leaving things to chance. There is abstractions there. Like, you're telling me where to look because you've a you've you've added a certain amount of like artist skill which is like you know um you know like you know uh just perspective um we call that um vanishing lines and shading and different types of uh you know typical like visual trickery um contrast and all that kind of stuff but then the rest of the elements are kind of left for us to interpret and I think that that's a really special um trait and skill to have. And I think that's what kind of helps evolve the actual art form and the experience, psychological experiences, being a fan and being a person that actually consumes it. You're right. Like the viewer has to take part in finishing and filling in the blanks. And I think that's why so many of us enjoy abstraction and abstract art, especially, especially artists, because we look at something we go like, Oh wow. Like that one thing is now this other thing. And I see this and that, you know, and I think that's a, to make us to make a film uh, at this bit at this size, and utilize that kind of technique and idea it was is really cool. It was it was awesome, and it was cool to see it implemented um, quite a bit because there were some really abstract moments in this film, mainly like the like the Collider room, I guess it was it. Oh
2: room. man, yeah, yeah, that was like and, a and jump wild, on, uh, yeah. wild thing, yeah. And I'll jump on that in a second, but I just want to say one more thing. Like so, the the way we kind of thought of um, abstraction is um, it was very much like it. It's like focus on a lens. Something can be real to abstract focused out of focus. And instead of blurring things like you would with a camera lens, it's like you, you dial up their abstraction and that idea and sort of all the ideas we were just talking about that the different concept artists had that carried through at every single level like our animation um was very much still about these same principles of being very um selective but observed very graphic and then at times very abstract nobody's really gotten a chance to go through this uh film frame by frame unless you were one of the filmmakers which we would do on a daily basis in these big reviews um there's frames of animation that where like people's arms are just dis- completely disjointed. Uh, there might be three or four hands instead of just the one because we didn't use any like animation smoothing or any, uh, lens blurring or anything like that. Mm. And to keep it from being in a, you know, just chattery as can be, it needed to, um, embrace these levels of abstraction a lot, which were borrowed from, uh, from like anime style. Um, and then just and then just like played with.
1: Yeah, Todd Vasari has posted a couple of things like that on Twitter, where he's actually broken down stuff from the trailer, and then said like, if you look here, it's like here's the animation on twos, and here's how they drew this arm and this leg in these moments. It's uh, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. And what's bananas is
2: like none of that's being drawn, right? That's all actually happening in three D. Yeah, that's um, nuts. <laughs> the all the crazy stuff that really blew our minds as filmmakers, not just as the artists who made it, but as like filmmakers, was seeing that they took the ImageWorks, Sony Pictures ImageWorks, who actually does the the creation of the technology and the animation and the actual execution on these things, which we work with, you know, on a daily basis. Um, I mean, we share the same building. Uh, they were making these, we were throwing these wild, wild ideas at them and they were making them happen for real with the technology. There, there's like no real cheating going on. The cheating is in the filmmaking and then in the staging and stuff. Mm-hmm. But within the execution technology, it was all like honest work, which is mind blowing because you look at it and you're like, oh, that just looks like you guys screened a whole bunch of dots on top. But no, <laughs> that that light is actually emitting a dot pattern.
0: That's wild. which is
1: falling off. I really hope that's like the most robust behind the scenes Blu-ray release. Cause I want to watch every second of how all <laughs> of that was made. Yeah,
2: it was, it, it was, con- and this was really yeah. my, you know, this is my first film I'm art directing. And, um, it was funny how many times somebody I'd be working with would lean over like the v- visual effects supervisor, Dan- Danny Demian, uh, he would lean over and be like, Hey, you know, this, we, we never do it like this before. And I kept hearing that so often that I eventually replied and I was like, you know, I don't care how you're like, I I don't ever care to learn how it used to be done. I'm so interested in how this is happening. Like this every day was just like walking into this crazy art and science lab, just seeing (laughs) it go down. And, um, this is being hyperbolic in terms of the film uh, for sure. But I was speaking about that idea with a friend of mine, John Bell, who was like an art director on Jurassic park. And I was just like explaining to him how fun it was. And he was like, dude, that sounds exactly like what it was like making Jurassic park or when he did back to the future too. He was like, just a lot of new things were happening. And those films are in a whole other stratosphere than spider verse. But it, it was exciting to be to be in a, on a project where, it, at least, that feeling was there of wow, this is something exciting and special. Yeah, and uh you're challenging yourself, make yourselves. sure you enjoy
0: it. Everybody's challenging themselves, you know, and they're all focused. Like you can see that in the art. I think that's one thing that's about art that's so unique and special is when really true good art is being made. You, you just no matter who you are and what you, what you like, you you feel it. There's an audience for that no matter what. There's a residents yeah, from it. Yeah.
2: And this was a project for sure where that was happening in every single department. And people would be challenging themselves and then constantly impressing mm. each other. And then the shock would kind of wear off. And you're like, how can we make this crazier? Which comes back to the like that whole battle at the collider thing. You know, we got through the majority of the movie and then we're we're left with that with that big scene at the end the act three battle of the collider
3: yeah
2: it was a battle at the collider but it eventually became the battle of the collider to make it and um because it was just a lot a lot to do and we by then the movie was starting a lot of the shock of the movie had worn off on us and we were constantly pushing it further and further wherever we could and then we we were like we were charged by phil lord and chris miller how do you you know this needs to be the grand finale. And we were like, how do you... Where do we take people now that they, we've gotten them through the rest of this film and it looks pretty weird? Where, where are we going to take them now that makes them feel like we're pushing this other universe into another, another universe? Yeah. Um, and that was a wild process, man. Like, we... Myself, Dave Bleich, and Dean Gordon, the other art director, did hundreds of paintings. We were doing, first it was just black and white, just coming up with ideas and compositions, and then it eventually started to move in. We needed all the color to make it work, and I think between the three of us, we must have done something like, I don't know, a thousand, fifteen hundred paintings, some thumbnails some color script panels, some like full on sequence illustrations.
1: Mm. Um That's insane. It's awesome.
2: And you're just turning and we hit fight. We would talk about it. You'd be like, dude, I'm dreaming in Kirby dot. I
0: was going to say, "Yeah, I was going to say that. it's all about Kirby. Yeah. Cause I was going to say you guys definitely um, went to Kirby land, you know, which you can feel it in there. And when I was watching the movie, I was like, wow, like we're in the land of Kirby's like, you know, those little circles that Kirby used to do. So famous for those.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was imagine. total total Kirby land and uh, <laughs> I remember watching the scene start coming back and we were all sitting in the room and and just blown away, you know. It was a couple of weeks earlier that we started turning the stuff stuff over and the people who had to now turn it and you know, animate it all and make those visual effects happen were kind of shell shocked. And then a few weeks later they turn around and show us their the VizDev and LookDev tests and all that, and now we're the ones being shell-shocked because it looked so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And we were all just like, well, if nothing else, this film will find its way into a, like a permanent home within the LSD community <laughs> for generations to come.
3: Least.
2: <laughs> yeah, people are going to be like, yo, did you ever listen to that Sunflower song backwards while well, watching the third act, man? It like, put <laughs> the totally lines up, bro. <laughs>
0: well, that's how Stanley's 2001 really took off, which was just like, you know, the psychedelic communities at colleges, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. But thankfully, it seemed like um, Spider-Man really hit home pretty fast as a pretty instant success as a film all right i don't pay attention to any of that stuff so i don't know um i liked it so that was good yeah but I, yeah i, I mean mentioned.
2: people seem to be receiving it really well and it's doing pretty well in in theaters and um i think the best part the one of the best takeaways is a lot of people within the industry are now talking about how um it's inspired them to do something really different. And and that's like studio heads and stuff are are saying that. And every artist wants to do something different. That's what we're all trying to do. And now hearing that within the studio walls, people are saying like, people are doing the right thing. They're like, that Spider-Man was crazy dope and different. Let's not do that, but let's do something crazy dope and different of our own. And um, if that is what the film can help accomplish, then I will be just a very happy person because that's the industry I have to work in. And, um, you know, I was always nervous about making, working on animated film because it always seemed like you get these art of books and you're like, Oh man, this stuff is crazy. And then you look at the movie and you're like, well, this was, you know, the story was great and the stuff was great and execution was fantastic. But after the third or fourth Pixar movie, you're like, these are all kind of looking like they look a lot alike.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they're
2: kind of going, they're going through, and that's cool. Okay, so that's the Pixar style. But I used to work in advertising, I still do at times work in advertising, and you'd always hear from clients being like, yeah, or even in video games or the VR work I've done, people are like, we want to be the Pixar of this, or the this is going to be the, the Pixar of that. <laughs> and you're like, yo, like... like yeah. Let let Pixar be the Pixar. Of yeah, let Pixar, Pixar. Pixar be the Pixar. Of
0: Pixar exactly. When you were talking yeah. about earlier the synergy that you were encountering when you're building out the, the the when when this film was evolving and becoming itself, it reminded me a lot of the things that I remember hearing John Lasseter say in in that Pixar story. I think it was it's called the Pixar story. I think. It's a documentary oh yeah. About how they made it, and I loved hearing him because he was like, you know, art inspires the technology, technology inspires the art. However, you said it, but it's basically like. You just literally said that because you're sitting there with other people of different craft and you're going, well, this is the painting world and this is how it looks as a painting. And then the technician's going, well, we've never done it like that, but let's try it. And then that amalgamation of skill set and just being open to trying new things equates to a new thing. And I think a lot of it is a matter of, this is one of my own personal problems, why I don't like putting titles on my own self. Like I don't. I don't say I'm a designer or any of these things. And I think it's important because I don't like how putting titles in yourself actually kind of boxes you in. And I think it's really important as an artist to not do that. And I think it's like that if you were to be in this film or this this setting or building out this uh, movie and if you're all like, well, I'm an artist and I don't talk to CG guys or whatever. You had your own rules because of these things. I think the art would suffer from it. But an open communication and an an ability and a desire to advance the art and find a way and and develop a style because there is answers. And that's the cool thing about this. And that's what I was saying earlier is like, thankfully, because of productions and studios and people, you know, uh, that are willing to put in the money and the effort to pay people like yourself to actually develop styles. Because um, somebody has to pay for this, obviously, and thankfully, totally. for, thankfully to them, like seriously, big hats off to them for taking the risk and sacrificing things to actually make a new art form, you know, which is really great. Um, we
2: were at the um, we 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 were at the premiere. Um, it was like myself, the other art director, production designer, and Theo. the directors, yeah, the other other art director, CEO, um,
3: yeah, <laughs> the production designer, <laughs>
2: yeah. The directors and um, Phil and Chris were there, and we all kind of like had this sort of in, accidental <laughs> huddle almost after, um, and you you know everybody was like, "It was really the first time a lot of people had seen it," and everybody's like, "Wow, that what in you know, a visual achievement!" And we were all kind of chatting, like, "You know what the craziest thing about that whole movie was is that." Um, the studio not only even, like, let us made it is a weird way of saying it. It's like they wanted us to make it uh, in that it, in it, what it became into its final form and supported it. Yeah. And, like, Christine Belson, who's the head of Sony Pictures Animation, is just...
0: Shout out to Christine. Shout
2: yeah, to, big shout out to Christine because <laughs> it was... She safeguarded us and was just like, "Let no, you guys are doing something bananas, crazy, and that's exactly what we want."
0: Yes, taste. There then. was another. You need, you need people with taste uh, very high up there because it's it's a risky thing, you know. Because somebody yeah, with bad taste an- can ruin a production so easily.
2: There was another film at Sony I um, did a couple paintings for at one point in time, and uh, for for a variety of reasons, I didn't end up on that that film and months later i was in another in a conference room and there was all these art boards up and a couple of my paintings from that were up and the guy who was in there had no idea that i had done the paintings and i was like oh these are the paintings from that movie and um he's like yeah yeah that these were the ones that they thought looked too much like incredibles and i thought that they wanted this movie to be some generic style thing. So I did, I, I threw out like a more generic style looking look, you know? Sure. And it, it was like the best rejection I had ever heard.
3: Uh, (laughs) I was just like, I was like,
2: Oh, that you guys don't want it. Oh, like most people at you know we're jumping all over that generic style. I was kicking around, sure, uh, as my like backup. Gen- okay, you want the Pixar look? Here you go. Sure. Um, because yeah. you got to pay the bills. And, and, um, and then to hear that, that uh, the studio head was just like, nah, that's that's some that's played out, f- that's not what we want. I was just like, oh, that's I love. <laughs> Thank you for uh rejecting my artwork, you
0: know, <laughs> that's awesome, that's really great, yeah, too. and that's cool because like. Again, like nothing because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's clear, but maybe just to clarify to somebody that doesn't understand what we're saying here is that we we do love the Pixar look. And we do, for me personally, like The Incredibles is probably one of the best animated films oh, ever yeah. made. Um, but it, at the same time, it's so, when you make it, when you have a business, it's all about risk assessment and all that stuff. And you have like the artist usually battling, you know, the lawyer or something, you know, the the very cautious thinker against the very open-minded and creative thinking and and with when I was sitting here watching the film, I could feel within the script. I felt it more. I felt more of like, in my opinion, I felt some more of like safe kind of decisions. I felt or like um, hitting the certain check boxes. But with the yeah. art world, I felt like wow, like this is so um, reaching to another realm. That was yeah, it was really cool. And I and, and that takes I I I know it has to take a lot of risk it has to take a lot of like you know fighting and battling for the artists um so yeah hats off to everybody in that studio who's protected the the vision because without those people it literally would not happen it would turn out to look just like the incredibles or any kind of safe bet film prior to this
2: yeah, yeah and the, you know just to add on to that pixar comment like there was a time when pixar was not the safe bet at all
3: yes and exactly. It it's it's great. sort
2: of like good, it's good to think about it almost like a Star Wars thing, like Star Wars movies will always be in the Star Wars style. It's the Star Wars universe. There was a time when that was like, totally unique. And now it's totally, you know, it's it now it it's been replicated a lot. But they own that look. And the Pixar universe is just like that, like it all exists within its universe. And that that's their look. It's the it's the other people around that maybe are like jock in that style and whatever that's fine too i think everyone should just do the thing that they want to do but it, it 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 was refreshing to work on something where from the very top they were expecting something different even though they couldn't articulate it they knew it had to be something unique and different
0: to hearken back to this star wars point that you bring in it's great because Olaf is a huge star wars fan he even names well, kids. He Even names <laughs> kid one of us uh, R two and the other one D two. But um, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Get over here R two. Stop it D nah, um, well, two. I wish yeah. I had now. <laughs> no, but I was going to say like I think one of the things that I've actually recently had problems with within like the franchise is the departure from that world um, and yeah. a departure that doesn't feel honest, you know, and that's a big problem and. For me, at least, as a fan of the franchise, having loved the franchise and how it changed and shaped my life growing up as a young kid in America, um, how much the impact it had on me. So to go back to the style, because if you really study and research like what George did and how he made that, you realize that he had to face like crazy amounts of adversity and a lot of no's and a lot of laughing, a lot of people mocking him. To actually get his point across or develop the style or um, to kind of get the first Star Wars going once everybody understood it was, on, you know, everybody's on board. Um, and then you get all the, the rip offs, basically. But to to go back to it, it's like, yeah, right now there's like this weird thing. I, I watched Solo and I felt like Solo visually was very close to kind of Ralph's art style and
3: uh, mm-hmm.
0: cinematography was really great. And same with Rogue One, I felt was really probably the closest newest Star Wars film I felt like it was like the closest newest Star Wars film, but the other ones I'm just like, what's going on here? just felt really weird.
1: (laughs) Like to to bring it like in a weird full circle. And we're talking about like tone and how a movie, like the franchises have their own tone. And then you got Spider-Verse with Phil Lord and Chris Miller and they were on Mm -hmm. solo and Mm -hmm. their departure from that will be a mystery for quite some time, I'm sure. But I would probably argue that tonally it would have been very different to what we got because I think solo was safe. I think it was a safe release. Like I mean you could argue yes. you know a thousand reasons why it wasn't successful, but it was it felt safe whereas I'm a huge huge fan of Phil Lord and Chris Miller's sense of humor and their pacing and the beats, I mean everything from you know Clone High to their uh, 21 Jump Street, all of them the Lego movie and then I think we missed out on that with Solo potentially being something that broke the mold. And then suddenly you see Spider-Verse come out and you see the success of that influence. And then the art being held all the way through. I think it's a huge shout out to collaboration where I don't think mm-hmm. anyone overstepped their bounds because you you talked about uh, the art book often not living up to the movie, yeah. right? Or sorry, the other way around the movie, not living up to the art book. And yeah. I felt that way. I looked at the Green Lantern art book years ago and said, where was this movie? Because that's not what showed up on screen. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think often you've got these concept artists just doling out these phenomenal ideas, and then they get manhandled and butchered along the way to not become what the the essence of it was before. And you look at your art and Alberto's art, everyone's art from Spider-Verse all the way through, and it just looks like they made that movie. Yeah, there. Everyone so worked together to make that, which is so weird to see that it actually happened. Like from the beginning to the end, it was the same idea.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like somebody's yeah, been like paying an attention. Un- somebody's learning. That's what it felt like. Yeah, like somebody's learning yeah, and, here. <laughs> yeah.
2: And there's like an unsung hero, um, who who didn't like. Uh, so the production designer Justin K. Thompson, who brought me on he didn't get to do a lot of the actual drawing and painting, not nearly as much as he would have liked to, but it was really him under the like, um, blessings and support of Phil and Chris who pushed so hard to actually in- make sure it looked exactly like the art. Um, I mean, that was after a while became the, like, i there was a joke. I, I kept joking. I was just going to make him a shirt that said, make it look like the art because, <laughs> that was that was so much of the um I want that shirt. Make the yeah, the art, right? Spider-Verse. <laughs> uh tra- trademark Theo Curtis, 2019. <laughs> oh God, um, Theo uh, <laughs> uh there was so much uh feedback where he was he'd be like you know it was a blessing as an artist. You'd finish a painting. It was a, a bit of a blessing and a curse, but you'd be you'd finish a painting and it would then go down through the art pipeline and we would make it sure it looked exactly like the painting to the point where I would be walking around doing art reviews, not with concept artists, but with the modelers, uh, texture artists, lighters, layout artists. And you'd kind of be like, oh, wow. Um, like, oh, the, today, um, I don't remember painting a different angle of that painting. Like, Yeah, and then you'd see them spin at (laughs) three sixty, and you're like, "Oh my lord, it's alive!"
3: Yeah, Um, that's
2: awesome. But then the 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 curse side of that, of course, was the painting as you were painting it had to have all the information um, that would eventually end up on screen as well. Mm -hmm. There was no shortcuts. Um, They're massive paintings.
1: You were actually painting kind of final productions.
2: Yeah, and and going back to our whole abstraction thing, where you were abstract, that wasn't going to get figured out more later. That's what it was going to look like later, so, uh, and somebody was going to have to look at it and 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 make it. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's that's really you know, interesting. Uh, I, cause I thought a lot would, of it was two D, and I thought there was a lot of really amazing compositing two D work that was done in it, which I'm sure probably was tr- somewhat true. Right? It's not all this is three D, right? Uh, I
2: wouldn't. I would say there's way I, there significantly less 2d than you think there is.
0: That's insane.
2: Uh, the burst cards and stuff, those are all 2d, all the, uh, concept artists, Vizdev dev artists. We had to do those, which basically turned us into animators, but there's not that many of those. (laughs) A lot of, a lot of it is, um, a lot of it is built in 3d and rendered in 3d. And the, that offsetting is actually from a camera and, those shader, the the shading is actually being rendered that way. It's the really line work is is legitimate line work, geometry in three D that the mm. animators had to animate and turn on and turn off when they needed to.
0: Yeah, um, it's like a really beautiful, probably in house built tune shader that has like tons of custom features. I imagine.
2: Yeah That's the insane. the image works, guys. Um, totally took this thing to another level they 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 made it for real it's not a trick and i think that's um there there was a there was an opportunity to make something that didn't like this is a big movie and it needs to look i hate to use the word expensive but that's the word we kind of had to use like it needs to look like it's a big movie sure Uh, and it, it couldn't yeah like it couldn't it couldn't look cheap like it was a trick like so it contract. really had to be yeah. yeah so it really had to be done all the way down to its dna that's really cool. which was um incredible like we, like i said earlier it was just like incredible to watch and to be a part of
1: um yeah. I, I have a question about the style and maybe uh, your point of view will be very interesting on this because it's incredibly unique you could argue it's one of the first styles to be presented in this way but just like pixar pixar has developed it look do you think that this look is something that's going to be not only duplicated but now have a place outside of a spider-man spider-verse story i.e other movies coming out completely different like you've got say how to train your dragon or any kind of animated films coming out this style do you think it's unique to its this story or is it going to now be something we see more of what do you think in that regard
2: I know, for instance, within Sony, and that's that's the only one I can speak about with any real knowledge. But I'll, 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 I'll I love speculating. So, um, <laughs> <laughs>
3: Dude, we're talking about uh, Florida
2: earlier or later. Yeah, I, I, I within Sony, it's like the the mandate right away. I mean, there's lots of other films being made, and a lot of people are lo- at the studio are like, "Wow, look how crazy different that is," and the studio's response is. Yeah, now make yours as crazy different in a whole different direction.
3: Good. Nice. So I've seen this style
0: somewhat in like commercials and stuff too. and And Alberto's had some short films too that had. A lot of the DNA and from here and I know that there's definitely there's definitely been things that I've experienced but in in this grand of a scale and I no.
1: yeah and that's what I mean is yeah. when it's this loud and you know it's attached to a good story it's a good film it's successful it's winning awards so it's like the perfect mix of everyone wanting to do that right and thinking that The it's like when Deadpool was a success, everyone thought it's because it was an R-rated film and it was more about it being true to its nature more than it being an R-rated film. So you were hoping that it would set the tone of people saying, okay, or studio execs saying, okay, let's just be honest with the material and then that will make it a success versus
0: it needs to be R-rated. I think a big problem with it is all speculation, right? There's no data to drive it. (laughs) You know, and so much of it, what we're talking about is such abstraction and we're artists. So we have a different perspective. We look at the world through a completely different viewpoint.
1: Beautiful lenses. Oh, the best. It's It's just just gorgeous. Yeah, I think I
2: think I think hopefully I I think what we're going to see from is some people are going to see it and be really attracted to it and and then try to replicate that. And that's fantastic because I really just believe everyone should be doing what they feel like they should do. Uh, I think some people are going to be inspired by it, uh, the different, how different it is. And that'll inspire them and embolden them to do something completely different. And then I think there'll be the people that, um, may have been turned off by it. And they'll say that that'll validate their stylistic decisions they've made. And I think those are all great. Like anything that adds to the wealth and diversity of style, um, Whether it's you hate it, you love it, you want to replicate it, and by accident you have some freak accident during replication and end up with your own cool monster, Um, I think it's like it's all for the better. But you know, there's a lot going on stylistically as well. I mean, people are seeing different. I I talk to different people and they're seeing different things. Of course, within the arts community, we're all very familiar with uh, the the like Alberto. Neil Ross, Rob Rupal, kind of graphic reduced stylization. Um, so that's what really jumps out to us. But within the comic book community, it's people really jump uh, pulling, like, that's what's jumping out to them. They're like, oh, the Benday Dots, the CMYK four-color offsetting, the the framing, the contrast ratios, those are all very comic booky. And then the anime people are, like, pulling out the anime stuff, and then the graffiti heads are all just going on about like, Oh, it's really graffiti inspired. Like not even just the graffiti, but like the way that people are moving and the, like the colors we're seeing and the, 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 the outlines and the textures and stuff. So it's been very interesting to see um, something that people are very attracted to and then figuring out that it's, uh, it's all for different reasons. And then, you know, the story people are just like, oh, what a totally different story, you know, yeah. and and then the Phil and Chris fans are just like, that's the most Phil and Chris thing I've ever seen in my life, you know, and I'm a huge <laughs> Phil and Phil and Chris fan. Like I have a bootleg clone high DVD from when it was on like, um I'm from Canada. So it was on like our version of MTV much,
1: much, much music, I'm from Canada music, too.
2: Well, oh, South yeah?
1: Africa, technically, but, oh, really? yeah. no, no, in, uh, Oh really?
2: No, uh, I need
0: oh, to, get, I need to build okay. that wall. It's fast. Dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're building it on the wrong side. <laughs> oh, no. no, I'm going to build around myself. Uh, uh, you're going to be pretty close uh, to the wall. Oh God. I just, I don't even want to talk about that. We were just talking about <laughs> yeah. it. It's such a waste of breath. Yeah. Yep. So
2: um, that's interesting. I grew up with a good buddy of mine who's South African. who grew up in Toronto where I'm from, uh, A lot of South Africans around there, but you know, so I'm, I've been a Phil and Chris fan forever. And, um, one day halfway through production, I'd sort of had to be like, you know, you're not supposed to tell the people you work with that you're like a little starstruck. Uh, but I I was just like, all right, that's it. We have to have a (laughs) conversation. I was like, uh, clone high was like my absolute shit like i love that show and <laughs> everything else that you up. guys have done <laughs> and uh, they were like oh we're gonna do um we should do a clone high sequel movie poster and stick it in the movie
3: Perfect. and oh, uh, i saw
2: that and i had this list you, you know you just have this running list that never runs out while you're working on a film, um, of everything you need to do and something comes off and three things are, are left on. And I, I put the clone high task on my list and left it there till the bitter end. And I knew exactly where it was going to go in the movie already.
3: And I I just put like a, uh,
2: yeah, I just put like a card in. We just, we just put a card in being like, it'll go here eventually. And, uh, that was like the last I think the one of the last things I did on the film Rad. before like hopping on a plane and running away as fast as possible <laughs> uh, <laughs> to
0: get a nap in yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I can imagine yeah. tremendous amounts of hours poured into it, but uh, you know oftentimes I hear from people that aren't into this industry or are getting new to it or their, their feet are wet or they're really contemplating going into this industry they're always so um, either appalled or bemused or di- like just. Dist- like destroyed by the fact of how many hours are put into these things and the products and the stuff. And they're like, Oh, you worked that many hours? Like, Oh, I can't believe this and that. And it's like, for me, I would imagine, well, it, this is just me. And I would imagine, uh, I'm curious to see what you guys think, but when you're doing work that you're passionate mm-hmm. about, you're doing it with your friends or colleagues or heroes or whatever, it doesn't even matter. You could work, a full day if you're on that rhythm and that's the artist the romantic artist in us you know um but i imagine there must have been super long days these productions are huge Th- this film is filled with so much art i'm like as we're talking and i'm watching the trailer go through and i'm just <laughs> like i'm just because I, I, I haven't watched it or looked at it since then because i kind of wanted to wait before we talked because i wanted to kind of be fresh from my first experience um, from watching yeah. it. yeah I'm like watching it, going like, there is so much work in this film; it's insane. Like the the differences and the changing of just color alone, the the, the use of color theory in this game, this film is it's, it's like ridiculous. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, the, I mean, there's no denying it took a lot of work from a ton of people. I think it was one of the largest crews Sony Pictures Animation has ever assembled. Um, and you know, the, but but it's totally true what you're saying. When you're working on something you believe in and with people you enjoy working with, it's, it's an it it can be an absolute pleasure. And there was a certain point in time, um, we hit where basically every minute you could spend working would find its way into the film. Hmm, We were past the point of like throwaway work, like new ideas weren't really being thrown around. They were for certain aspects, but it was like, you know, here's a list of like, um, 50 signs we are that are going in the movie we need to get them done you know and mm-hmm. and and make them as awesome as you can and it was a lot of stuff like that where the more we were could do it was just like more and more icing on the cake in some aspects sure. and then going in and wanting to make sure a lot of those things are authentic like i used to do a lot of graffiti growing up and in all my projects of I, anytime i see graffiti in a movie or a TV show. And it's sort of just, it's used as like a describer. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, it's just used as like a, Hey, there's graffiti here. So, you know, it's a bad neighborhood or, you know, it's like, this is where the artists live or something. It's like, it's not very descriptive or true to its nature. It's used almost as just this, this set dressing, you know, this bogus, weak ass storytelling device. And, um, so, and, and and in this film, Miles is actually doing graffiti and he is a graffiti artist. And since the whole ethos behind the design of the film is, this is what the world looks like to Miles, a comic book character from Brooklyn, uh, who's like 13, um, the graffiti has to be on point. It needs to be uh, knowledgeable. It needs to be in praise of because... As a third, I, I remember being a 13 year old comic book kid, f- comic book character from Brooklyn and, uh, <laughs> the graffiti, you know, that was everything. That's
0: this is your altered, uh, verse as well. Your own this Yeah, is, uh, Theo's altered. own. Yeah. Gra- gra- <laughs> yeah <it's> graffiti verse. <laughs> yeah.
2: But that was like legit what I wanted to be, you know, it was just like, oh, I just want to be a, you, you know all that mattered was graffiti for so many years and then that transition into graffiti?
0: And, what age were you because i was into it as well
2: yeah i was i mean i had an older brother who got into it probably when he was like 15 so i was like Same. 10 and i was just starting to like draw on everything and it was like you know sm- it started small and you're just like tagging the desk at school and then the bathroom and then the The recycling thing, and then the train yard, and then the. It's like pissing. It's like a
0: dog pissing on a hydrant or something. It's like. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) this is mine. (laughs) Yeah, this is mine. Mine. This is mine. Mine, 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 mine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it just kind of grew and grew from there. This is my fancy piss. There it is. It's very sweet. Yeah, here's the quick one. This is my blow up right here. This is my burner right here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I
2: mentioned uh, I mentioned earlier, so I had it's actually like my birthday this week or next week but i had a birthday birthday, birthday party over the weekend thank you and uh a buddy of mine who does graffiti was like oh i brought you a present and he brought he he bought two grease sticks and we sat at the bar with a razor and split them in two and then i don't know if you've done this and then you repackage them so now you have like a dual color grease stick and it's those like high temperature sticks that like you can't get off anything. They're for like construction workers. <laughs> and he was like, all right, here you go. Here's yours. And here's mine. And he's like, uh, now we have a contest going and see who, you know, who, who's going to get through their marker quicker. Uh, and it's just like, I love that. You know, it's, 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 it's a great old school gift.
0: Yeah. Get, get your name out there. Claim it. And it's it. funny just don't so I, what colors they are, because otherwise you're found yeah. out. Yeah. They're gonna and they're going to build a it, wall around you. It's funny. Yeah.
1: I, um, it's funny. I, we, we did like a,
2: you know, people, you go and give these talks for the movie and stuff. And, um, people have the art books or they have a poster or something and they want, or their, or their sketchbook and they'll get you to sign it. And now, um, because people know that Miles's handwriting is graffiti, that's my actual handwriting and graffiti style i'll like sign something and they're like oh cool uh can you sign it like miles would sign it <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and
0: it's incorrect. just
2: like the theo thing i'm like oh no
0: <laughs> you can never be authentic patrick dude
2: <laughs> and so we were at the universe the you something yeah yeah we were at Cal Arts the other day and they showed me, they're like, Oh, and we have this ball where everyone does graffiti. And I had a marker with me and I just started tagging miles all over the place.
3: Uh,
2: <laughs> well, there you go. I Her. think,
3: yeah.
0: And there you go, man. That's awesome though. It's so cool that so much of you and what you're into and, and a part of your life is invested into this. It's really cool. Cause it's, I it's, think it's, I, it's a very rare occasion. I think it's a very rare occurrence. Yeah. It's,
2: it's, it's, it's it goes totally goes back to what I was saying before. Like I I felt like when I got involved with the movie that I was like not worthy, first of all. But then you're like, oh my god, I'm into everything that this thing is about. Yeah. And um, you're like, oh, this is the absolute perfect fit for me. And then you'd meet everybody else on the team, and you're like, this is the absolute perfect fit for every one of these people. Yeah. And what I'm noticing more and more as I talk to more and more fans um and people who appreciate the film you're like they're like oh that was the perfect movie f- for me to see and you're like wow this character and story really really resonates with a lot of people like uh I was speaking with somebody and she was saying you know I grew up as like a black girl in Brooklyn uh who did graffiti and all that stuff and this film resonates with me so much and she was thanking the directors and everybody for um, for that representation, like, oh, the, it's so nice to see that kind of representation, and then, like, all you know, I was like, hey, I'm all like a white kid from Toronto, and it <laughs> resonates more with me than uh, any other Spider Man movie, you know. It's like, yeah. as much as there is the like targeted representation of the character Miles Morales, it's also, you realize, I think, I think it's like it's doing two types of representation. It's the representation of an underrepresented visible minority. Um, but then it's also showing to everybody else who is of this quote unquote majority that like a oh, fuck that's exactly like me too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
3: That's and, really cool. and
2: that, that's been, that's been nice and it, that's powerful to see. I mean, the, 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 greatest outcome of all of it besides the art style and hopefully the ch- any change it might promote in the industry for more unique properties is the amount of <clears throat> people you hear from their like young children um, of any race, just being uh, falling in love with this character and just being like, that's me, you know?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was what the Spider-Man young girls always wanted, to be, right? Yeah. yeah
2: the to young be, girls yeah. The young girls wanting to be Gwen, or just being like, "It's me, look, I'm Gwen," and uh, and then all the young kids, especially like Black and Puerto Rican kids, uh, Puerto Rican kids, biracial kids that don't have a lot of representation, and then for all us like out of shape, ready to give up, thirty year olds can. <laughs> there's our savior, Burrito Peter, who I saw that in he your can Instagram. Do it again. <laughs>
1: That he's called Burrito Peter, I love that. Yeah, well,
2: I mean, there's two Peters, and uh, although they're not both in the film um, ever, you're often talking about them a lot in meetings, and so there was R.I. Peter and Burrito Peter. um, (laughs) That's great, and uh, because at one point in time he had a burrito, and it just sort of stuck.
0: It has a nice Peter B. Parker.
2: I love it. Yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot and of... And for all of us like... Go ahead, sorry.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, and then for all of us like 1940s um, black and white detectives, noir, you know, man. finally, finally, Fucking we see amazing. a little representation for the, for that <laughs> underrepresented group as well.
0: And the pig yeah. spider, spider pig too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And all of yeah. us, you know, I didn't know that, uh, I didn't know this in before making the movie. Um he was a spider that got bit by a radioactive pig, <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, which <perfect>. is
2: genius.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's when Stanley was just like hanging out and he was really yeah. really fucking high <laughs> it
2: It reminds me of there's this uh i'm I'm sure a lot of the there's a big crossover of this audience and people who watch Rick and Morty. There's a Rick and Morty episode where they're like traveling through multiple dimensions, and at first it's like people on their phones calling to order pizza, and then they jump into another dimension, and it's phones making a phone call uh, on a piece of pizza to order some humans, and then it like keep, and then it's like <laughs> their chairs, you know, because they're sitting on chairs, so their chairs calling. to order phones to eat or something like that. And you're just like, (laughs) yeah, I love how like you did the absurd you and, and then, okay, now what's the more absurd and how do you, how do you flip it? You know, I read this great, great, you know, you, it, there's these stupid inspirational quotes all over the place these days because oh, the, the internet,
0: man. I love it when it's like on Instagram. It's like a lady wearing like no clothing, basically. She's like, "You do your best, and that's all that matters," or something You're like. Yeah. Get out of here, fool! <laughs> yeah.
2: But I did read a I, I read one that did like the same as the spider pig. It's like the stoner guy. Like, whoa, that's wild! Um, I read one today that was like, "Why did the um, like the deer cross the?" road or something like that and it's it's like the deer didn't cross the road the road was crossing the forest and you're like whoa oh, dude oh. You, flipped, you flipped that
0: oh, <laughs> dude yeah, yeah dude you went deep with that and that was nice yeah
3: you're
0: like oh well, hold on i gotta i gotta sit down for a second bro the forest is just crossing the earth so come on you know so there you go and My everything's just trapped it, in time so. <laughs> No, I love that. That's awesome. No, like this is interesting because it sounds like from um, your energy and the experience that you had, this is like a pinnacle part in your life. And it's a pinnacle for me. It's like that's amazing, right, for you um, to have this experience because it's like I think all of us want to have that experience as creatives, as designers, as artists or whatever, uh, an ability to communicate and and create to be able to have the ability to do so and to work with a team and to be established and all that kind of stuff and have something we're proud of. I think ultimately we all just want to be proud of what we do and be understood and, and praised for that. Um, but now it's like, the thing is like, where, where do you take your efforts now? You know, like what, what's, do you have something of interest in the future? Um, are you looking to direct things yourself? Like where, where does your future look like?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I feel like Brito Peter, what's going on? Yeah, that's it, man. (laughs) I'm hanging it up.
0: Um, (laughs) Going straight to Brito Peter.
2: No, I'm, uh, I mean, it was such a, for me personally, it was such an enjoyable experience. It was a fatiguing experience. Um, It was a catapulting experience. So there's a lot of new and interesting opportunities kind of opening up. And I think if I... The the one major takeaway was just how natural of a fit it all was, and that's that's my big thing moving forward. Is um, <clears throat> I don't want to have to break out that generic style again uh, to pay the to pay the bills. It's I want to lean more and more into doing the 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 things that come natural, and then stepping out of the comfort zones that. Um, that that also entails because this film would take you out of your comfort zone on a daily basis, yeah. but it was in a, in a natural flow. So I'm, I'm not totally sure what's next. There's a couple, I have a couple of things going on that are, I can't announce. Um, but I, I, I want to go deeper. I, my, my end goal was to in, as an artist, I think was always to sort of be this hybrid production designer slash illustrator, just artist guy. And uh, so I'm just pursuing that now. But I have always had ideas of stories I'd like to tell. And I have probably five different half-baked graphic novel movie ideas that I should get back to eventually.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's always a common thing, right? That's why I asked you. I was curious as to where this goes and then are you going to take your education, basically? Because every good job is a free education. That's the way I look at it, you know? It's like you get to this, learn uh, while you work, you know?
2: Yeah. raw Rupel. when I got on the film, <clears throat> him and I were having a discussion and he said, you know, this, this film is a masterclass in, in design. Mm. Um, and it, it certainly was. And then on the other side, on the actual filmmaking side, because, you know, you're making all this artwork, but then there's the actual process of making the film, uh, which definitely making the artwork is a huge part of it, but then there's doing the actual layout, the camera, the cutting, all that stuff. And Phil and Chris and Bob Persichetti, Rodney Rothman, and, uh, Peter Ramsey, all the directors and producers had an amazing collaborative attitude. And I feel like I just got my like PhD in filmmaking by getting the opportunity to be in the room with these guys. Um, there was so much going on that the directors might have, you know, would have different roles and responsibilities on different days, and between myself, the other art director, and the production designer, we might uh, have to jump in with them uh, to represent the art department. And um, you, you, I got to see I behind the scenes on animation, on editing, on camera layout. The things best. you normally wouldn't see on a production, uh, that was, you know, maybe not as ridiculously overscoped, yeah. um, things, things were definitely hectic. And as a result, like within that madness, there was a lot of opportunity, uh, which i I, I, I feel super blessed for having been involved and having had the opportunity.
0: The great thing is you get to also see all the failing stuff, like what fails and how and why. You get to learn from that, too, I think is really on very important, too, because it's so easy to just because like fans like Olaf and I will we'll get the book and we're going to just see the creme de la creme or the the art that's shared because it's the stuff that feels most warranting to be printed, warranted to be printed. But you being educated within this experience, you're going to have a good memory of like, oh, I remember that one day where we did this one thing, it didn't work, you know, or that one thing that did work and the key takeaways, you know. Um, and, and where where Rob, uh, told you, it's like, this is a master class, you know, um, this is a master class in design. I'd also say it's a master class in illustration and also a master class in like hybrid style formations and stuff, you know, which is really great.
1: Collaboration. In collaboration. Holy crap. Yeah. 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 And,
0: and,
2: and I think after watching all the things that made the cut and like all the successes and failures you're talking about. Maybe one of the greatest lessons I learned is why is that decision being made? And um, that comes from the directors and then Phil and Chris and their ability to filter through all these amazing ideas. I mean, there's a lot of crap ideas, there's a lot of good ideas, and there's a lot of amazing ideas that got left on the floor. And um, it's their dedication towards the film above everything else. Yeah. Um, there's an, there's some sets that were designed that everybody really enjoyed and thought these were, you know, just incredible sets. Um, and my role on the film besides doing a lot of artwork was to be, I was the art director of basically the environments and the sets. So we would start building these sets and, um, and it would occur to some, one of the top level producers or directors that as we may have fallen in love with the, this idea for the wrong reason, this might not, um, this might not be supporting the narrative of the film, even though it looks really cool and we enjoy it. And that is the only thing that should be on screen are things that are supporting the narrative of the film Always that are supporting miles. And so you end up cutting things. And as an artist, I think we always just fall. You, you're an image maker, so it's very easy to fall in love with things that just look great or look make you feel good to look at or are interesting to look at. But their absolute dedication to just being like, no, no, no this is all about a film. This is this is bigger than an image. This is um, it's a symphony of uh, and, and all these things need to harmonize, and I can't have any wrong notes. Because I'm trying to build this narrative and the and this emotional reaction to this thing, and so all these things need to be. We got to trim all this fat. I love your idea, but it's not the right idea. And that's we, you. You very quickly get into the realm of. Um, there's no bad ideas. There's, there's there's only right
1: ideas and wrong ideas. Hmm. That's mm-hmm. Cool. I have always loved that.
0: Yeah, because you just remove the ego and you're just thinking about the the, the reason why you're doing it in the first place. Because if you're just making um, Art Station, the movie, which I've seen a couple of times, and then you do, and then you do that. And then it's a beautiful looking film, but it has nothing to it other than like that was visually beautiful. And some some movies I can just, uh, I just put them on visually. I just mute them. I put on music or something. I just have the film as a, like I'm walking through an art book or something, you know. Um, and are like a cinematography delight or something, you know, but, yeah um, it's so important and it's so difficult. I can't imagine having to, um, fend off so many different, you know, battling because I remember, I think, I can't remember who's, which director was I was working for, but they're, they're saying like, basically my job is just defending the film every day, every day. Somebody's telling me I can't do something or I'm not allowed to, or something doesn't work. And um at a hundred times a day, and I'm I'm there just basically defending it uh, constantly. I'm like, wow, what a horrible job.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'd see <laughs> it you'd see it often and so.
0: yeah, you'd see it often
2: with um Zach Retz and, and Peter Chan would do these incredible color keys. And uh there'd almost be this like awkward farewell when the directors are like, No, this isn't quite right, and oh, I need it to be I, you know, and it could have been something as simple of, but of course, this is completely different. You, oh, you did, you lit lit it like it was afternoon. I actually need it to be like, you know, early evening. Sure. And then the directors would be like, okay, but these are really nice though, you know? And they're (laughs) like, no, 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 no. We have, it has to be early evening when, you know? Yeah. Okay, Okay. But are we sure, you know, and it was like, farewell we 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 love you idea but farewell like you're not the right idea for me at this point in time in my film yeah,
3: um I imagine that. So be really and
2: that was always always fun and and people would be like can we um you know you're like well don't you know don't throw them away like or or i'll take a print from my office because i love it so much but sure. uh it's not going in the movie
0: yeah that's awesome one thing I really admire too, and I, sorry because I know you have a career before this this uh, film. It just it's such a powerful film, and it's something I think it's so worthy of us spending a, a whole episode talking about. But um, one of the things I really admire and love is just the the, the obvious knowledge and use of of vanishing points and actual perspective, but then the obvious artistic decision to destroy them and shift them. And that's one thing I I really love too about the 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 style in general about how New York was represented and. Um, just how, cause it's, it's so much of, of, um, if you think about it, New York, it's the city itself is a huge character visually. Oh, big time. It's a huge character. And, um, when you decide to distort things, how you decide to, cause obviously, you know, you have those big cityscapes, you don't distort it too much. Like perspective usually is pretty consistent. You have a couple wobbly things happening, um, just to show the personality. But when you get kind of closer to things or that you're at a different angle, or depending on this film, like I can't wait to go to get I can't wait for it to buy the biggest, most data filled uh, file of this, this, uh, this film and go through it frame by frame and go like, Oh, oh cool. Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> like, basically, I'll probably just figure out a way of just capturing every frame. Um, I think DaVinci Resolve actually has like some sort of like plug in or like a thing inside of it that will catch a frame at every oh, cut. every single frame it'll catch yeah, a frame it, at every cut i think or something like that No,
1: yeah. i think catching every single frame is just the movie <laughs> no exactly but i'm just trying you to, got like, that
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> and i'll make that a book but you know there that you that that um that kind of goes back to the whole abstracting thing like we used um breaking the perspective and stuff much like we did the abstraction it's it's a all a form of uh focusing because we didn't have a lens to actually focus so you need to abstract things um or push them askew to draw to 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 aid in the audience's attention as to where it should be aid in the the direction in which they should be looking
0: sure yeah and there's mastercraft in that because if you watch and look at the frame they're always so they're so well composed yet still abstract as we talked about earlier uh, probably a, co- a common question I'm sure you get asked a lot is going to be um, art education. Did you get a formal education? Um, if so, where, and do you think an art education is important even now today when there's like, you know, resources like um, tutorials online, um, online education or like using Google?
2: Yeah, I had a, uh, so I, I always wanted to be an artist. Um, so I used to, my brother was, is, is, uh, a drawer painter. He's an artist. So, uh, I was always kind of like following his footsteps. And then my high school had a really great art program. And that's where I started to take it more seriously. And I went to like after school drawing, uh, class in this, like, uh, these two, uh, animation kind of older, older animation guys, that were professors at Sheridan college started their own drawing school, like in their garage. It was so, (laughs) it was pretty sketchy. You like went down an alley and stuff. They actually just celebrated their 20 years, uh, animation portfolio workshop. And, um, so I started to learn more and take it serious there. And I, I, that was it for me. I wanted to go to college to study art at Sheridan college. And I, I did, I got accepted into the illustration program and, um, After my first year, I ended up falling in love with this woman who is now my wife and she was living in Vancouver. So I did one more year at Sheridan and then dropped out and I got to Vancouver and realized that the art school that I was to attend there didn't really have the, like the illustration, the the illustration program just wasn't really up to par with the one at Sheridan, um, which is fine cause it's a pretty unique program, but they had, they let me cobble together a, a sort of my own curriculum where I took animation classes and then actual film production classes, like live action film, where we would be like cutting and editing with 16 millimeter and shooting and lighting and building actual sets. And then I still got to take like, like dr- life drawing and painting. And, um, as well as co-op. So I actually started working at an animation studio as a storyboard artist in my last uh, year or so of college. So there I got a really well-rounded education. I, it was always just wanting to be an illustrator, but then all these other things started catching my eye, like animation and um, actual cinematography, and, um, <clears throat> and and then, of course, still the like classic life-drawing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then that was 2008, and the world was about to come crashing down, and all the animation jobs were starting to dry up in Vancouver right as I was graduating. And um,
0: perfect timing.
2: Yeah, yeah, the timing is everything. <laughs> and um, fortunately, there was a studio that just no longer exists, but Black Box, which was an electronic arts studio in Vancouver. Uh, found my work and they were looking for a concept artist who could also legitimately do like some decent graffiti for one of their need for speed games. And in fact, uh, Wilson Tang, who I know you interviewed because I listened to it earlier. Yeah, Wilson. Um, yeah, he hired me out of college. Oh, nice. And um, that is where like, I felt like I, I got a string of amazing art Directors, creative directors, kind of from then on, um, which really helped out. Yeah. Uh, And um, there was like him, him, Wilson Tang, and Habib Zagapur, and then uh, this guy, Nilo Rodas. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Nilo. Mm -mm. Maybe. He was an artist on Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Uh, And that blew my mind. And it was just this great Mm -hmm. group of artists. That were very nurturing, you know, and that were, had the patience to deal with an inpatient version of me, which still, I guess still exists. (laughs) That just wanted to do everything all the time. And, uh, but those guys were, were great artists. And from there, I kind of just moved around the games industry until I landed in San Francisco. Um, and where I stuck around with visceral games, still electronic arts. And uh, I actually, we were talking about Star Wars earlier. I was spent two years working on the Star Wars property that never. Oh, never dude, that that piece on out. Instagram
1: is beautiful. Mm.
2: Yeah, I was dying. I I hope I don't know if we're ever allowed to show all this artwork. That's like one of the few pieces that's not of today. And actually, I was going to say something about this earlier. We just were talking about just don't ask, um,
1: just do it, and then let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, ask for forgiveness through a lawyer. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was Theo, wasn't um, me? <laughs> yeah. It was him. Um, There's this great thing. You know, we were
2: talking about the level of abstraction in in the work um, at times. And uh, I've always been super fascinated with matte painting, especially traditional matte painting. Um, The guys that the old school cats that would paint on huge panes of glass. And they're the shots that you so believed in as a child and still do um and at Indiana Lucas
1: Jones oh yeah, yeah
2: I didn't realize this but uh the end of um Die Hard 2 the wide shot of all the planes and the emergency vehicles that's a map painting mm.
3: like a traditional
2: what? map painting
3: I have to look back and at
2: it. so yeah. uh one of the crazy things about making this Star Wars game is we had weekly meetings with um Doug Chang <laughs> at Lucasfilm in the <laughs> Presidio at ILM Awesome. And you'd always have to walk through Lucasfilm and ILM to get to some crazy secret, no windows uh, room where that was Doug's department. And that's like, it's full of artwork for every Star Wars movie about to come out. Right. And uh, <laughs> But along along the walls, it's plastered with all the paintings from yesteryear. And I would get, you know, I'd be breathing on them and um you would see the level of abstraction taking place and it would blow me away because you always remember them as these living breathing things and then you get up close and you're like that's not a stormtrooper that's a white dot <laughs> on a black <laughs> dot
3: <laughs> yeah
2: bullshit the illusion and then yeah. you yeah. yeah and yeah. and then you're just you, after the shock kind of wears off you're like Boy, the balls on this guy to think, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and he knew that that was just enough information to totally sell it because you're not going to be staring at it. You're not if if it had too much detail, it would be a problem.
0: Yes, yeah. And that's the key to it. And that's a master level, I think, is understanding what to put on the frame, what isn't. And I think that there's so many different levels to it, all the way going to the producers that you're talking about that's protecting you, all the way to the directors knowing, OK, well, we we are trying to push this part of the navigation of the story. So we need to remove this part. We need to only emphasize this thing. So let's change the color to that because I need this mood to push that thing. And there's always agendas that are happening, you know um yeah and, and i think that actually makes the most sense in in bigger conventional because i would say like the story for this is in it can in a sense it's very hollywood in a sense that it's conventional in a good way because i do enjoy those kinds of films too but it's not like a you know um i don't know you know an abstract russian art film or something you know it's still yeah it's got it's it's got a way to grasp it pretty quickly and you understand what's going on you don't get lost in, in plot holes or whatever um But it's 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 all these decisions. There's so many of them constantly. And there's so many different things that are happening all around. And these decisions that need to be made by the right person at the right time. I'm always blown away by um, films that are made that are really good. And it's like I remember I listened to a lot of behind the scenes. and I think it was like it was the behind the scenes for Princess Bride, which is one of the best movies ever made. Amen. Yep. Princess Bride, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. If you think about yeah, it really we well like why it's so good. On, we can all agree on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. if, I mean, it's like if you think about that as a film, it's like it delivers on so many different levels and it's like it's it's a classic but it's not it's not taken seriously, I think, but it's so good though. But anyways, and I have
2: such an appreciation for the you, you know, those film like Close Encounters of the Third Kind yeah. is like one of my favorite films of all time and it's like it looks film. great. It's an enjoyable ride. Uh, you know it it 's very unique but very palatable, you know, like yeah. at the time you know
3: definitely so the Go time. on, but I, yeah but
2: I, but i 'm totally with you it doesn 't have to be um this this art house untouchable classic for it to be an incredible timeless film
0: there 's so many of those too, I have a list of them, like mm-hmm. the Labyrinth is one of my favorite films too but um yeah. but uh when i 'm thinking about um when I was listening to the behind the scenes of um i I believe it was behind the scenes. Of uh, Princess Bride, but he was saying this. He had this really—I forget who it was. It was one of the the creators. I think it was the writer, the, the the actual story writer that made up the story. But he was saying like he's always so blown away how a group of strangers basically can get together and align to one direction for a, a, a an extended period of time to. Bring forth a piece of art that's somewhat finished, you know. He's like, and I love that he articulated it much better than I did. But his whole evaluation of it, because he was talking about like how impactful that movie was on him, and how insane it was that it actually even existed, and that all the things came together, and it's like through tremendous effort and 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 you know just sheer will, really, you know. And I think a lot of times. And that's the brilliance of films. That's um, the brilliance of audiences not necessarily having to know how and why things were made. They're just simply supposed to take the ride and the journey. Um, and not only until later, like you said, when you go and look at a, a map painting really close, you see it's all, you know, it's all mis- it's all it's all smoke and mirrors, you know. It's
2: uh, all movie magic. But you should and you know, on, uh, yeah. yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. Oh, and just on the point of what you're saying, you know, this was my really my first film and definitely a project of this scale um, with the involvement that I had and, and just, and all that. And while making it, um, Justin Thompson, the production designer who's in many ways, well, he's become a great friend, but has also been an incredible mentor. Um, he dropped some knowledge on me, which is exactly what you're talking about. It's, um, so the best part about it, 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 it sounds simple, but he, he would say the best part about filmmaking is making the film. Hmm. Um, yeah. and it's and like, yeah, it uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, obviously guy. And then the movie's <laughs> done and all this incredible stuff's happening and people are receiving it and everything. But honestly, the best part of it was, was making it. Yes. it it wasn't the finished product. Um, it's not the memories. It was like, or, or the lessons learned or the accolades and success that may come, uh, it was a hundred percent making it. And I couldn't have realized that until after. And that's exactly what my buddy, John Bell was trying to tell me about Jurassic park.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and, and as much as you're like, I hear you, you don't know it until after and you're like, damn it, th- that was, that was, that was just a blast. I want to do that again. Yes. As soon as I I'm rested,
0: I, you know, <laughs> <Spider-verse>. <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> yeah, spider mist spider verse 400. There you go. Gonna, yeah. Here, here it comes. But it could be, but it could be any,
2: it could be anything, but you're just like, definitely it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like this group of completely different strangers that all yes. have kind of agreed on something. Yeah. Um, and it, it, now we're all stuck in a room and just having this amazing creative collaboration.
0: Those are the best.
2: That's and all. That's all I care have,
0: about, really, too. Because that's what you know. You, you know when you're doing it right when you're with your friends or with people that you jive with, you're having fun. I mean, you're making art too, and you're just you're celebrating the moment of being alive, being creative, and that's yeah, really, and it, that's all and, that matters. It's very finite. And the, good, and the yeah. yeah, it's super finite. It it's something
2: that I don't think you 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 can get all the elements and stick them back in in the room and yeah. it might not click again yeah and uh it's all good that the the good the the laughs the the arguments like it's all a it, it was it's all just a wild ride that uh and if you're lucky you have a you know you get to do it a, cu- a couple of times
0: yeah, <clears throat> yeah. and and it's uh it's i think it's 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 one of like you said it's one of those lessons that you don't really realize until it actually happens you know (laughs) like until it's actually almost till it's too late almost to go oh wow that was the that was the actual best moment it's like and it's kind of like why i feel like i like empire strikes back the most to bring back star wars you keep referencing it but i like that one the most because it's the most uh dramatic feeling part of the saga within the three films trilogy or whatever and i think it's 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 one of those re- that's one of the reasons why i like and that's also the thing that you should like in production too because i think it's really important and at the end of the day you just got to go like you know i'm i am I only have so much time here and i should do it celebrate it by doing it with the best work i can with the, those that i align with the best or even not even the best but just align with in a sense of um you know tonal focus in life or just an idea you know of something so that's cool yeah, though it sounds you know like I, you had early mentors that's really great though that's a rare thing yeah life, so
2: and and you know uh on on empire one thing i've really loved about empire especially now that um uh i i'm paying more attention to sequels than i previously did uh <laughs> No, no, nothing. That's not loaded in any ways. Um, <laughs>
0: uh,
2: I'll take it as real I will, though. For yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, fuck! I hope I'm getting free, free punch, bro. Free punch. Is um, but on on Empire, it's you know, you have a new hope, and it's big. You know, they blow up a Death Star. It's big, and it's going all over the place. And you're meeting all types of new people and all that. And Empire isn't, I'm not saying it's small, but they didn't do, it it, it seems like they didn't do a bigger movie to follow up A New Hope. That's what uh, um, Jedi would eventually be. You know, that's like kind of the bigger production. Empire is like the genius, I think, behind it. And now that I have looked at, like something like Spider-Verse and say, wow, the real genius, you know, the real accomplishment in a lot of ways was the fact that the, the heads of the studio said we wanted it to be something completely different. Um, I think a lot of the genius in empire is that they said, cool, all the explosions and stuff, those are hot and people love aliens. That's great. Uh, these characters you got though are very very interesting and what i would like to do is know more about them more than anything else yeah and it dived deeper into the characters than i think it did into a lot of the things that were that people thought was making star wars um so popular you know yeah, the surface like level oh, stuff yeah
0: because yeah, at the yeah, end like, of the day it's, me, just, it's just a family drama really yeah yeah it's a game of thrones in space or something without like you know the boobs and stuff so
2: yeah but it easily could have been just like Hey, these Tie Fighters and X Wings are are selling like hotcakes. Yeah. But you give me, I want ninety minutes of just X Wings and Tie Fighters shooting. I well, do that. And just that's been done. And so. just give me, yeah. And just give me lightsabers. Just everybody should have a lightsaber. You yeah. know. Let me, which eventually did happen. Let's explain well, yeah, everybody to what Metacorians <laughs> is.
3: Yeah, let's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God.
2: Right. No, There's an know. example of this happening, but with the with the first sequel. Yes. They were like nah fuck all that like um
0: such a strong there
2: was just a strength a strong, yeah
1: so much yeah. strength yeah
2: yeah can, can we put han solo in a blizzard yeah. uh on a on a on freezing like too.
3: yeah
1: On a
2: I don't know like an emu looking <laughs> camel thing <laughs> and uh and that's gonna eat up a ton of screen time bro and, yeah. you know,
0: it's such a great description <laughs> or, or like the talk, talk, whatever they're it. What are they called? It? It's, it's a tauntaun. tauntaun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it a lot. God, yeah. like, of course,
1: why do I have to be the one who answers it? Yes.
3: <laughs> oh, no, I,
2: <laughs> I knew what know, it was. But,
0: I just wanted to just mess with you.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but you know, it, um, yeah, I, I, now that's like what impresses me the most is they're like, let's make them, let's, instead of going bigger, let's go deeper. Yes, And that, that I think, is that's a rare thing for a sequel.
0: Wasn't that the beautiful thing about art, though, and getting older and your aging, how you age and how you process art? You can watch the same film one year, every year of your life and see a different film. Because one year you might be single, the next year you might be married, the next year you might have a kid, the next year you might be... Um, dealing with the parent that's passing or whatever. And every time you experience or interact with that art, that's why I always like, and this leads me to the next thing I'm curious about with you, because it seems like you have a pretty decent social presence. How do you deal with um, feedback, comments, all that kind of stuff? Have you encountered any negative commentary and how do you deal with that? Because it sounds like you're, you're probably around the same age as I am and we kind of were are born and, and, and we lived in a world without social media and these interactions and the computer and all these kind of there's computers and technology but it wasn't nearly as massive as it is now and it is involving in our lives it is as it is now how do you deal with it how do you digest it how do you kind of work within it
2: yeah that's a that's a um that's a great question and yeah i'm born 85
1: so
0: okay uh, i didn't olaf yeah Eighty-three. Okay, there we oh. go. We're old. My back.
1: Yeah, yeah man. Oh my back hurts right now. <laughs> oh, my back too much
0: podcasting always hurts. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I need jujitsu. Uh, Stat. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I didn't computers. You know, I got a computer in the house probably in high school. Yeah. Um, learned how to use like Photoshop and all that stuff. Really into college, and. Um, but when it comes to the social media stuff, it's interesting. Like my wife worked at Twitter for a while and was very much into that universe and understanding it. And she still works in like customer experience for a variety of brands now. So it was like in a way in my house. like when it first came out, I was like, why would anybody tweet? Like, what do people care about?
0: <laughs> yeah, same yeah why do i still people, don't know why. I, I
2: didn't i didn't get it right and no. um but because of her i eventually got an account and then uh started posting our work and really was not getting any traction for a long time yeah um and it eventually dawned on me and her and some of her friends kind of gave me some pointers somebody gave me a great pointer which oh, i will oh, give hashtags nice yeah <laughs> very uh, nice I, I will give a pointer that I was recently given just before the film came out which I found to be very successful but um I it didn't occur to me I was using it wrong the whole time and I didn't understand the value of it which I do understand now and I wish I'd gotten an earlier start on this <clears throat> so anybody getting into it this just some advice don't um it doesn't have to be about you it can be about your brand um and once I recognized that I gained a voice And I don't, I'm not posting a lot about myself and to everybody who's asked me to be their Facebook friend. uh, If I don't know you, I'm not going to accept that is like, that's my, that's my little local community. The rest of it, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, that is very much like my art brand, which is me. It's very personal to me, but it's, um, it's there to promote my artwork and, and to find new artwork uh, to, for me to find new artists that I want to work with. Um, and for me to get my work out there and be part of the art community. So as soon as I just sort of took myself out of it, I became a lot more comfortable doing it. The advice my friend just gave me, which is working wonders. Um, so this is some real take home advice because everything else is. And this has just been blah 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 Star Wars <laughs> Spider Man.
0: <laughs> hey, damn, that's uh, that's I'm the summary word. right there. That's going to be <laughs> in my <laughs> intro. So we just did blah 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 Star Wars Spider Man. Okay, let's go. Yeah, yeah,
2: that'll <laughs> sell tickets. Um, uh, she she gave me some advice. She this this is her job. It's like she works with. This is my wife This is a friend of mine and she works with a lot of like car companies and brands and how should they get social media engagement and stuff. And she told me she's like when you because I, I told her I was like, so I'll um, I'll like post something and then get on an airplane and turn my phone off. Uh, so when I land, you know, I can be like, oh, wow, look, everybody loved it. And she's like, that is the exact opposite of how the internet works. Yeah. She's like, you could not be doing a worse job. She so she gave me this advice, which I I use now, which is um, if I post something, I if I'm gonna post something and I and I'm and I'm working this like a job because a lot of people, this is how artists are gonna get discovered. It sort of is the arts community now, at least at a you know, the view from the mountaintop all these artists are just floating around the internet and how are you going to find them? Well, it's, it's social media. And, uh, so she's like, when you're getting ready to, to put a post up, dedicate 10 to 15 minutes as after that post, like you're still involved in that post. You're not done posting yet. Yeah. Um, chat with the people that are doing the thing, uh, that are commenting and engaging, doing the thing that that's not, she wouldn't say that are engaging. You know, there's all these buzzwords, the activity and the engagement, you need to reward those people. And so I started doing that and honestly, it it actually has made it more enjoyable because now I'm seeing people kind of come back and they want to chat and they're excited about the artwork. well, you're cultivating an
0: ecosystem, really. is what you're doing. Because you know? he wouldn't fit, yeah. feed your dog and be like, "Peace out, bitch. I'm getting on the plane, and I'll see you when you later." <laughs> and I'm hoping you're going to be happy. It's like it's it's a, yeah. it's a, it, unfortunately it's a very similar mechanism to dogs and stuff. You know, no wonder like, like, my dogs yeah. keep dying. Oh, uh, bad oh. joke, bro. Not okay. That's no, good, actually, <laughs> I have two.
2: I have two cats, uh, no
0: dogs. Oh. But
2: yeah, that um, you know, and oh, and my. somebody wrote like. <laughs> yo, I want to see the. Uh, yo, let me see Miles's sketchbook. And I was like, okay, that's a good idea. Hey, I wouldn't have even thought people wanted to see that. Yeah. And so it's. Um,
0: Is that their voice too? That's awesome
2: every yeah well when i read, I read everybody read on twitter all,
0: as being like an asshole that's my problem yeah I was like, uh, uh, Hunt, well everybody on twitter is being everybody on twitter
2: i feel like is does have that voice like yo here's what i think about this cheeseburger and you're like <laughs> all right guys there's
0: some there's some amazing people on there but for the most part yeah every time i read a uh like a tweet i re- read it in like the, the voice of the most asshole thing even if it's a nice thing i'm like like I love your art. Ugh. I'm like, oh wait, okay, this is actually good. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: he's actually saying he loves my art. I'm yeah. Good. Wait. And let me. And I go,
0: oh, okay. Thank you so much. And I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Twitter is a. But very in terms
1: of uh,
2: in, in terms of negative comments, I haven't really gotten many. Hmm. Um, but there definitely were two that I enjoyed. There was one where somebody pointed. Somebody asked a question. They were like oh, I didn't realize um, his dad also did graffiti because I posted a picture of the mural that he paints with his, now we're getting real specific, painted a picture that Aaron uh, of Aaron, of, of his uncle Aaron. And somebody was like, "Yo, did, so did his dad help him do it? And I'm like, yeah, his dad helped him do it. They talked about doing graffiti in the movie. And then some other person was just like, yo, pay attention in the movie don't ask stupid questions (laughs) and I was just like whoa chill out like it's there's a it's totally okay to ask questions you know yeah don't get so bent out of shape and then the other day I posted oh no it was on the same one and somebody was just like yo they this is almost word for word they wrote yo what the fuck
0: WTF or the whole spelt
3: out?
2: The, the whole thing. Oh, damn. There's a bunch of question marks, exclamation marks, and then would it kill you to put a spoiler card in front of your artwork? <laughs> then they commented on their own comment saying, it's really not that hard. Jeez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, that guy needs, somebody took a shit in that person's cereal, man. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. need a chill out guy. People are so fucking um, fragile, dude. They get, yeah. When I, I'm like, Who I is just this delete person? that shit.
2: When people write that shit, I just delete it. Hell I yeah, am, power uh, to you
0: too. Yeah. You know, I have a, a couple of people that I follow that are pretty. They're pretty dominant. They have a huge social presence. And I remember when he was being interviewed one time, he was like, oh, I just, I just block people. I just raise them. If I'm having a bad day and somebody even i 'I'm get out of here,' you know, like, and I, <laughs> and I always gone. felt bad. I always felt bad because every time I did, I was like. Hey, maybe it's my fault that I can't handle criticism or like, because, you know, if you think about it, this person actually could have, th- there's different ways. And I'm hopefully, if you're listening to this, if you're the person that did that, I'm hoping that you're listening to this and that you're going to learn something here. <laughs> and I'm hoping the thing is you could have, he could have went to you on a, on a DM, you could have slid, slid right into your DMs and said, man, I love your art. It's amazing. Such it's, a, it's a, I love the film, whatever. Give you, start off in a good place and then said, you know, man I, I it would be so cool if you would let me know because I haven't seen the film or whatever so that I'm not spoiled by it. would do you think you would you know could you put spoiler alert or something prior there's there's a way of getting what you want in this world without being insulting and basically what you do online when you do that when you're when you're insulting or you do those kind of brash things, you literally get muted out of everything you go yeah. dark you go dark and that's a bummer you know you're mute, I, I wouldn't you're delete
2: somebody's criticism if somebody was like. that color schemes whack or something something like that but if you're just going to outright like either comment negatively on another person in the thread or just come at me with that kind of attitude it's like again the page is a brand and the brand is not people yelling at each other
3: in the comment
2: thread that guy could have totally guy girl could have totally just been like um w you know, I it would be great if you could throw a spoiler thing on there or something. But the the getting pissed. At, like that's you catch more flies with honey than you do with uh, what? Yeah. I don't know what else. I don't, uh, know. Like a, uh, I don't know how the rest of the saying paper? Goes. is
1: it know. bees or flies? <laughs> I don't Oof. know.
0: Bees with honey.
2: A, I mean, you leave a bunch of honey everywhere. Everything, yeah, get some up honey. In there. Yeah.
0: Don't, don't do that, though. You're just going to get dirty stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting everything. Yeah, you're so, getting everything. Getting know. leaves and dirt, and your dog's going to walk in it yeah so this is this i'm advocating that it's, it's for like
2: everybody to just leave honey wherever they want
0: yeah <laughs> you're just <laughs> instead one of those of the iron many... so your, your buddy gave you honey like tubs of honey to do graffiti in so you're like yeah we're, yeah we're graffiti honey graffiti guys no but yeah, no it's, it's true honey crew. that's good that you did that and that's a cool way of interacting with it. the way i interact with it now too is like if, if you're gonna say something rude or you're gonna be rude it, it is bad on the brand um and it's like all right we'll see ya and you go in dark and that's a bummer. And I, I'm hoping that people are starting because it's like I think the Internet and the way we interact with this is so new and we're so it's such a new thing for us and that we're, we haven't had a chance to really see the effects of it. And I don't think people have been outed yet properly online to really realize like, oh, shit, I should actually mind my P's and Q's here. You know, I shouldn't. This isn't just a free place for me just to throw up my opinion on everybody. Nobody wants to hear that. You know, very few people do. And so I should shut the fuck up. You know, if I have an opinion that's somewhat negative, I should either tell it to somebody that I'm close to or just keep it to myself, you know, unless it's like, earth shattering. Unless you're
2: being, unless you're being constructive, unless you're providing a solution. And like, just because you're in your living room while you're on the Internet doesn't mean the Internet is your living room.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, good point.
2: It is. (laughs) It's public forum. It's like being, you know, out in the world. You you got to have a little respect yeah. for the people around you. I think that could go a long way. And, uh, you know, but like, look at what, look at how trash society is. Like most, most places had to like get rid of their comment section yeah. on in news articles. Cause people are just like ready, just looking for a fight. That's and fine. I, you know, I guess I, it's wrong for me to say, look how trash are because it, we're all kind of products of our society and uh, that's definitely like not me bro part of I'm, part I'm, of that's I'm the, woke bro <laughs> <laughs> part, <laughs> you know part of that is like just people being frustrated a lot yes. of people seem frustrated right now
0: yeah it's unfortunate i don't think it i don't, you know honestly i think it's the same amount of frustration that's existed for a long time to be honest I think it's just elevated and turned up because everybody has a voice. That's the only problem, really.
1: Well, you have a safe voice, right? You can yell at someone from the safety of your living room, right? And you can spark outrage. You can be a jerk and not really face the consequences, you know, because it's a lot harder to be a jerk when there's the threat of maybe being punched in the face because you're saying stupid shit at a bar, right? Versus sitting in your living room and just mouthing off because nothing can happen to you most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: and you you you're right though. You you know this technology is so brand new, and it it's weird to think of yourself as being the generation that will possibly be looked at as like you know just naive to what the technology truly is. Oh, well, we are. Totally. Um, it's everywhere but that's right us. I heard yeah. this great story. This is going to be a, a segue for sure. But uh, I heard this great story about like the real genius with um henry ford was that uh back in the day the he you know all the factories are running off of steam power and as a result of the steam power they're all organized in a very specific way to maximize the um the efficiency of the steam electricity comes along and they replace all those machines with electricity, but nobody decides to rearrange them in a way to make them more productive for the end product, not the machines making them. Henry Ford comes along and he recognizes the true um, leap in this technology is not the fact that you, it's not just that it's electricity. It's the electricity enables the freedom to rearrange things for better productivity. And you take that and you're like, wow, you know, the first thing we did with the internet is we basically made it replace mail. Hmm. That's like so uncreative, but it's the first where we just got these electric machines, you know, we're so used to the way things worked that we're really just like slightly speeding up the way that they are working. Yeah. And it's like, oh look! I used to get snail mail. Now I get an email. <laughs> Isn't this crazy?
0: AOL, uh, baby, yeah.
2: <laughs> so it's it, it's wild to think what the you know, and you kind of look at like now we're definitely getting in the Joe Rogan portion of the podcast. Uh, yeah, uh, baby.
0: Let's are we going to do flat earth or what? <laughs> no, <just> joking. <laughs> we were we were chatting before, just just uh, so, so, so people know we were chatting uh, on Skype uh, prior to us doing this podcast about like. You know, how does this work? This and that. And then it was like, yeah, I, I, I just kind of, h- how I summarize the podcast for most people, because I know most people are familiar with Joe Rogan. I'm obviously a fan. Everybody knows that. And I just say, it's like Joe Rogan's podcast, the weed and less flat earth talk, basically more art focused, basically. So <laughs> meaning free yeah, flow, like, free form, you know, there's no rules. Everybody's got an opinion and let's just talk about it.
2: And then I chimed in with the, uh, like, because, uh, last summer, I needed to know what, what this flat earth stuff was about. And so <laughs> I watched like uh, several days worth of YouTube and wow. internet exploring because I just needed to know.
0: <laughs> Why? What Why, was Why? So out of your two year two days of your life spent on this, what was your assessment? Because I, I won't do that. So you went off in Christopher Columbus, the flat earth part. So what did you learn, at, Christopher? I mean, Theo. <laughs> <laughs>
2: at, at first, I really wanted to just know why had it like what were some of their explanations for things i sure. was like because me and my buddy were joking nick hyatt and i were joking around one day and we were we we're like well how do they figure the, like the sun sets? and so i figured out you know i learned how what their explanation for that is
0: what was that because or should we even uh, should we not even let's there, not spread a, the gospel should we not
2: there's <laughs> a there's an easy way to explain it if you like um if you take a flashlight and put it like uh, a couple inches off of a, su- a table surface mm-hmm. and, uh, and move it around, you'll notice parts of this, the surface of the table are, are dark while some are light. What That's like, you know, it's a spotlight is what they're saying the sun is uh, on, on, on the oh, Earth. So they're saying so, that,
0: the, that the sun is not a spherical light source. It's actual like a disk. Yeah, like, yeah,
2: and Whoa. I know I'm going to so get they'd blown say that up too, by huh? some flat that's. I mean, that's at least the knowledge I Good. was Expose getting. Good. Expose
0: them and then block them. So there you go. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> lure lure them out so you can put them down. <laughs> the worst part uh,
0: of my research, and maybe I
2: was, you know, this was just a one corner of the research. The worst part of the research, I finally got <laughs> to the end. You know, I was getting near to the bottom <laughs> of this oh my this God. thing. <laughs> Don't the, you mean to the edge?
3: Yeah, to the, the edge. edge of it. I was yeah. getting
2: to the
0: edge. Oh, no.
3: I was
2: getting to the edge of the why, and I was getting – I was like, <laughs> oh, here it comes. Like, the theory that t- – like, who wh- – why is – why am I being lied to then about the earth being round? Why is society telling me the earth's round when we know it's flat? And uh, it was so <laughs> anticlimactic because it um, – all of a sudden in this one particular YouTube video, like – it's building it up. It's building up. And then like a star of David shows up and it's like, it's Jewish people. They want, they're trying oh, to convince you.
0: They always blame it on the Jewish people, man. That's such yeah. a lousy thing. It's like, oh, the Jewish do this. It's like, come on guys. Like <laughs> leave oh, them like, alone like- already. They run out of yeah. reasons and they're yeah. like, uh, how, how do we do this? How do we do this? Oh man. It's kind of like it's when because, you discover uh, the Scientology, what Scientology really is. And you're just like, Whoa, really? Oh, okay. Well, L. Ron Hubbard yeah. was an author and he was fucking bad shit crazy. <laughs> and everybody yeah. involved with this is just like an egomaniac that wants to just live in some kind of fantasy land. All right. Yeah. Case, case so, closed. <laughs> it's like,
2: what and so the, the reason sh- the reason schmucks like you and you guys and myself believe that the earth is round is because this cabal of, um, at least this is in the research I found, this cabal of Jewish uh, keepers want to convince you that, um, if, now if you knew the earth was flat, as they do, as we all know now as fact, uh, you would know that God does exist. And if you knew God existed, why would you even bother participating in society uh, in this life when there's so much more to uh, to do? You should just be devoting Whoa. yourself to God. So we, all us reach. round-earthers, all us round-earthers are uh, just propping up this, this economy and society for their benefit while mm-hmm. they spend their time um, living the righteous life. Wow. It was a real disappointment.
0: That is, yes. that yes. sounds incredibly <clears throat> anticlimactic and. It- Super dumb. Yeah, <laughs> this is super dumb. It's a bummer because, like, I trained jujitsu, and like the guy who founded the the platform in which I learned jujitsu from is Ten Planets, Eddie Bravo, Eddie Bravo, yep. Joe Rogan's really good friend, and Eddie Bravo. I, I I I've met him many times. He's a really cool guy in person, wow. and I love the spirit that he has about questioning everything because I think that's so important. Why should you accept the things that are given to you as the truth until you can discover it yourself? The problem I have with it and any of his conspiracy things, He's, he gets in so much trouble with his conspiracy tra- things. <laughs> he, it's like it's like it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing you need to you need to say it. But then you need to own it by going and doing proper, legitimate research rather than YouTube research, you know, because like the thing is. You, Which I one
2: you is all I did. That's all I did was YouTube research. So I haven't really done. Well, it
1: doesn't lie to you.
0: Yeah, I
2: haven't. <laughs> I haven't, I, I, you know, I don't Pick have sure all the I answers.
0: Stuff. Yeah. It's all facts, but, dude. Yeah.
2: But yeah, you should definitely question yeah, what, I think it's you important. Know, what's your, but you also need to, you can, you can swing too hard in the other direction.
0: Yes. I always felt like the whole, the, the whole thing with like, and I think this comes from my own uh, discipline in my own career is that you can't, ne- you can never tell me the earth is flat because I know how VizFX works and I know the photos I've seen from the time that those were taken and how it worked. It's just like, there's no way of cheating those things. It's just not possible. Yeah. It's just not. And if you had any inkling of an education on this stuff, you would just know that this is all falsified bullshit and they're just trying to, it's like weird stuff. And it, it always blows my mind when like cultish kind of like, it's almost like our brain is such this amazing, amazing thing. It's like, it's this, beautiful gift that you're given at your birth and it's like the weirdest thing when people are just like they turn it off or they trigger it into some kind of like hypnosis and are just like willing to accept these weird law like facts that don't make any sense but hey man I mean as long as you're not hurting anybody I just think it's more or less a waste of space and it's funny because we're using we're filling up part of our podcast with flat earth which I I think it's more entertaining than anything because I think if you really look at it it's all like a joke and I think it's more like unless looking at most of these things as just a joke, you know, it's like one of my favorite characters in the Watchmen is the comedian. It's all, it's all a joke. Like, I love that because it's so true. So much of this is a joke, you know, uh, our existence is somewhat of a joke and all these things are just, it's so, it's just interesting, you know, and the human condition, the human situation is so interesting, you know? So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the only thing you can, or the only thing I feel I can do is, it's like, Try to do no wrong and, and enjoy it all. Yeah. There you go.
0: Amen and, to that. And,
2: Yeah. You know, there was a question you had earlier that I did want to answer and we got sidetracked from, but um, yes, about education. And I said I did get a proper like formal, like I have a degree education. <laughs> I'd say nowadays, um, especially if you don't need, like I thought I needed that degree to make my way to America as somebody without American citizenship, but um,
0: alien, bro. Should've built that wall. <clears throat> yeah. Where was definitely. Trump then? And America is not great. Then
2: <laughs> I think all these dirty immigrants that made that movie you love. Um, <laughs> 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 wouldn't we be better off uh, without them? But uh, I was going to say there, it's, there seems to be so many amazing online resources and yeah. the cost of education is through the roof right now that I think, um, the best thing you can do as a student is spend even a 10th of that money on online courses and then do the social media thing, meet the artists you like, uh, have the, I'm, I'm always having conversations now with younger artists, um, or older artists, just people, anybody pursuing their, their passion and then try to get yourself into a studio at a young age, doing whatever job you can and um, build your own education because university comes with a lot of strings and there's a lot of stuff you have to do, which, you know, you, you might not be that interested in and may, might not be the best thing for you in your
0: time. And they don't Um, teach you everything that you're definitely going to need to know. There's a lot of things that aren't taught and yeah.
2: Yeah. And, And, and more so than anything, it seems to be, your dedication and interest in the craft and then the people you surround yourself with, your peer group. And that, can, that doesn't have to come from a formal institution at all.
3: Yeah,
0: no, totally. I totally and it doesn't know. end with formal. formal.
1: Yeah. Sorry, a lot of formal education, including mine, doesn't teach you at all how to make money at any of it. <laughs> yeah, They all, t- yeah. they all try to teach you how to make beautiful stuff. Yeah. And then once it's over, it's over. And then you sit there and go, well, how do I get paid to do this? So I think that that's, that's one of the big missteps is you think you need, you can go there and then you step out and you can yeah. just go get a job anywhere as an artist, but that's not how it works. So the value of it is so, so much less than just, like you said, spending a 10th of that on any kind of online courses and getting even more education that's repeatable. You can constantly just play it over and over and watch that same tutorial over and over and really get it down. Yes.
2: Yeah. And then, and then just like, like I said, hit up artists and try to uh, hit up studios and see about like plan your own curriculum. Go take field trips to studios, P- apply for yeah. internships, like
0: apply yourself. You so- know, yeah.
2: I remember wanting to do a lot of those things in college and then having to like skip class so I could go check out a studio you know and it started to become very apparent to me that there was like there was something strange going on like i was missing i would get in trouble because i didn't show up for like a to talk about a film but i was like at a film studio instead having a conversation with like an actual production designer about what it takes to 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 make a movie
0: that's just a natural now, form of, of of growth, I would say though right doesn't that make the most sense that you're growing? It's like a sign that you've yeah. outgrown a situation into the next one yeah
2: yeah, and so school always bugged me. the the structure of school always really bugged me in that way that it, it didn't um it doesn't adapt you end up like learning you 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 are sort of like learning faster than your school can teach, yeah.
0: Well, if you're, if you're, um, I would, I, I agree with you 110% on your outlook on education, and especially in the art realm as of now. And uh, definitely to, um, to talk, to also add on to what Olaf was saying is these schools, from my experience, didn't teach me how to make money. I had to learn the hard way. Um, that was one thing I was thinking about making a class when I was working and building Learn Squared with the guys is I was like, we need to make a, a proper business uh, class, you know, an artist business class. My only concern is that, Everybody has a different way of doing their business, you know, so I didn't want to say like, this is how I do it. And then expect other people to do it as a gospel. That was always my concern. I think Chris Doe is doing a lot of stuff online. He's very transparent about it too, but he's more or less for the design community, but they're one in the same. So if you're needing that kind of resource, that's a definitely important thing, but online education for artists, that's one of the most brilliant things is you could literally learn from the best people in the world. I think by either applying <coughs> yourself by, you know, um, apprenticing under them, um, going to work for them, um, and people go, "Oh, it's free work." No, it's not. You're literally learning from a person that you want to um, become. You're trying to uh, acquire their skills so that you could do the same thing. And that that's a there's a give and take. Before, like you know, money was a big huge issue. There was mentorships and and apprenticeships. Back in the Da Vinci days, you would spend seven yeah. years. You'd spend seven years under somebody. Seven fucking years of your life you would spend as an apprentice to a master. Yeah.
2: And grinding was, pigments and making paint, getting the egg tempera just right,
0: you know. Exactly.
3: You would have, but to then do, you
0: knew what to do. Exactly. When you were done with that, you could go off, and you were supposed to be able to be self-sustaining. It's still different now, and the speed and the acceleration is so massive, and the and the consumption rate is so massive, and so fast and so rapid. But um, there's still ways to do it. We've figured it out. So if we can figure it out, then definitely you can as well, which is really great too. So. Yeah,
2: I think just like reach out to people. In fact, it was very. Um...
0: It's never been a better time for this too, because when we first started too, it was like it was so hard. I mean, Phil Hale was one of my favorite artists. I still haven't had a conversation with him. I still want to eventually, but Phil H- Phil Hale, for example, and I'm sure he inspired some of the style and stuff like Matt too. But um, you know, like getting access to talking with him, I can't imagine. But I had another artist who I really loved, who was actually a friend of mine, John Wayshack. And I was a very big friend, a big fan of his work, and then I, I met him through um, DeviantArt, and then I eventually met him in person. And Then we see each other all the time at comic cons and stuff. But that take a, that took a lot of effort. And now, whereas nowadays, you can just go, you know, to the private message and say, "Hey." And a lot of times, we're not like Kanye West or Joe Rogan, famous. You know, we we still have the ability to be accessed. You know, we're very accessible still. Somewhat, as long as you're cordial, you know, so <laughs> yeah,
2: and I, and I'd say to people like you know you hit a good point there, like if you are looking for some guidance and mentorship, like hit up, yeah, hit up like the big time people that you want to get in touch with, hit up the medium time people and the small time people, like
3: yes,
2: I um just the other day, like five days ago, this kid who's i mean he's a grown up now, but when I was in Vancouver in college, I met his dad on a film set we were working on and his son was like 15 at the time and he wanted to become an artist and we just hooked up and now he's down. He just got to LA and, uh, I got I, you know, I ended up being his mentor, you awesome. know, and I was only probably like six or seven years older than him, but if you're, you know, if you're in that's high school, decent, that's
0: a decent move between, yeah. It's a, it's
2: yeah, a, it's if you're if you're in high school, so to, for the high school kids out there, hit up college students, yeah. Um, because those co- and if you're in college, hit up people, you know, they don't have to be the kings of the industry. Hit up somebody who's two years into school, uh, into their career. Yeah. Um, and then those people are hitting up, you know, and it's there's just sort of this like family thing. I've always believed in that. That it's like you you take from the p you take from the people in front of you and you give to the people behind you
0: yeah absolutely
2: and 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 then everybody gets sucked into the cycle because you somebody helped you out and now you need to help somebody else out so for the artist listening hit hit people up because it's most likely they owe the like the artist universe mentorship program a favor to and uh they'll be guilted into helping you out for the next decade of your life.
0: <laughs> I found most artists are, um, very exceptionally, um, kind people with their time as well too. I think a lot of it comes back to just the ego that's involved in being an artist. So much of what we do is such a selfish thing. We're so much in our heads. So when somebody comes to us and says, Hey, like, I'm curious, I want to be in your head too. I'm curious about your, your head space. I'm curious about your ego. They're like, Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, and usually that's, um, that's it's kind of how it works with the podcast, too. I look at the podcast also as like it's a realm for me to learn, constantly learning. You know, I've heard so many conversations and I, it's just all patterns. I've done almost 200 episodes yeah. now. I hear a lot of the same responses to the same questions and I'm going, "Oh, OK, so it doesn't matter what part of your profession or what part of the of the, the train or the chain that you're involved with in, in regards to production. We're all answering the questions the same way. You know, there's a,
1: a great book called uh, Ego is the Enemy. I don't yeah, know if either of you by yeah. Ryan Holiday.
0: Yeah. And and I read a little the, bit of it, not all of it. Yeah.
1: It's it's invaluable. I f- feel like everyone should have to read it because it just gives a great perspective on where you put yourself in the world. But there was one specific lesson in there about a UFC trainer. I can't remember the trainer, but the um the the way of thinking about your career and where you are was always teaching, um always teaching someone always learning from someone and always being with someone on the same level as you so you're always yeah you're always giving you're always taking but you're also sparring the entire time so that mentality of how you go through life so
0: yeah, that's yeah, that's jujitsu actually exactly. That's when you think when you're probably actually training exactly where it came from. Yeah, that's exact because there's belts right. So you have um, all the way from white, which is pure, to black, which is the highest level belt, and then everything in between, which is blue, purple, which is what I am, and then there's brown belt and then black belt. But when you train, when you do actually when you when you interact and you actually do jujitsu, you're supposed to do go against somebody better than you, somebody at your same level, and then somebody below you, and you're supposed to get that spectrum. Yeah, and it's a it's a beautiful thing because so often in our in in our world, and that's one thing I really love about jujitsu. And I always tell people to try it out or something like it, is because especially as artists too, because so much of you and what you do is in your own headspace, and your ego, and your social space, social media, all that crap. But with jujitsu, it kind of goes like, no, 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 that, that stuff doesn't matter. You got to crush your yeah. ego here. You got you have to <clears throat> you have to step aside here, and you have to be aware yeah. that there is another person better than you here, and and, and, and it's and, always. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: Oh, and it's always valuable. Like you, you think you're, you'll learn things from the people that are teaching you, but you're going to l- learn things from the people you teach as well. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, Absolutely. I. it's like, I would, I, uh, I still do this in my head a lot while I'm working. I, um, I visualize, and maybe this is this, you talked about like a confidence in the style and the work. Um, a lot of times when I'm working, I visualize that I'm doing it as a lesson, like to an audience of people. And I'm in my head, I'm, I'm saying like, okay, now I'm going to paint the background and I'm okay with this level of abstraction because, and I have that dialogue going. And it's something about me, like, um, trying to teach the work, even though I'm doing it to myself, that keeps me really honest about what I'm doing. Um, because I have to vote. I'm like, I'm, I'm almost vocalizing it and you get that you get it's like this you get an even greater sense of that of course when you are teaching it to like a group of people or or one focusing even with one person because now you need to you need to turn your pro you need to like legitimize your process you need to realize your process um even when you're accounting for like the happy accents and stuff you're still sort of like well here's Here's how we're going to approach this and do this, and here's the methodology of of how I work.
1: Yeah. And yeah. When there's uh, someone else on the other end, you can't just bullshit it. it. You can't just say I'm going to do that because you have to say, yeah. okay, well, this is the actual reason I'm picking this setting or using this color or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. I am consciously making a decision,
2: you know, instead
1: <laughs> of just being like,
2: oh, curb your enthusiasms on in the background, and you're just throwing paint around a canvas. <laughs>
0: I think that's Which how you a actually too. have a, a happy, you have like you, you, you live within the realm of making art for a living. At the same time, you, you're able to control it in a sense where it doesn't destroy you. Cause so many artists I know uh, in past and history, like we're not able to have that discipline to remove themselves enough to be able to do that. And that drives okay. them crazy because they are like, Oh, I'm not inspired right now. And it's like, no, you're using that as an excuse not to get to work. You know, there's yeah, so many different I, things, you know, or I have an artist block. It's like, no, that's literally all bullshit. And that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a, it's literally you have a problem with exposing yourself to reality. That's what I always saw. And I think, things, you
2: know? yeah, and I think we're all trying to like get a control is a strong word, but like a better hold yes. on Not control
0: because there's no way to control.
2: Our, yeah, because you realize you got to let go. to ha- But you almost you just want it to be a bit more dependable. And, and that's what, it. you know. You can depend on the fact you're going to be creative, and like I like to think of like creating an environment and a headspace that promotes creativity. There's no formula for it, but there's steps that you can take that, or or that you know, I know the steps I can take to promote an uh, an environment, a headspace of creativity. So it's just like good creative mental health, um, and sometimes that's doing bad mental health things. Yeah. Uh, like going and partying or do, just totally taking yourself out of out of the element or, you know, uh <clears throat> staring at a blank wall. You know, just things that are just different is sometimes what it it needs. But to every artist out there, I'd really suggest pay attention to after you're done doing something you felt really good and creative about, see if you can um kind of retrace your steps and and see what led you to that creative inspiration Mm -hmm. and then don't write those down as like any hard fast rules but as something that you can do to like promote maybe maybe that'll help you find yourself in that creative headspace more often
0: that's beautiful i love that and i love i i mean i was trying to figure out "Hmm, how would we naturally conclude this show but i think that your advice is so sound and i think it's like I always try to end the episodes on like a very positive mark because it's like there's so much negativity in this world it's best to like leave a good positive impact um the, the one earth thing is flat what's that <laughs>
3: damn
0: and it cut. dude and damn. it's done <laughs> and link, link. done <laughs> no you you edit these things right <laughs> no hell no baby it's just straight oh, up joe rogan style you're gonna have to deal with it yeah unfortunately oh, great sound like you're okay with it Yeah, uh, who you are and what you do though so that's good yes please <laughs> flat earther people do not contact me <laughs> basically we're going to chop up the
1: edit to make it sound super pro flat earth. Yeah. yeah. Flat
0: uh, earth. Good. Spider-Man burritos. (laughs) That's (laughs) going to be, that's going to be, and then Peter Parker burritos, flat Earth. There
3: was a background. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: It'll be, it'll be, it'll be me being like, you know, I really enjoy The thing I really enjoy about uh, life is flat earth or, and I'll be like and that was just you know that's a thing that I feel very blessed to have been a part of
0: <laughs> such a collaborative team to flat earth that's so good oh no i can't wait to edit this to be f- pro flat earth and scientology too because this yeah. is this actually po- podcast this episode alone is sponsored by the united nations of flat earthers and scientology united so there you go <laughs> yeah the the, gl-
2: the the global flat earth community is
0: uh <laughs> Last is, is yeah. <laughs> they're they're screaming right now. <laughs> the last uh thing I would love to leave the listeners with is um you kinda mentioned it prior, but if there's anything else you can think of, uh sound advice, something that you might have learned, even if just on the last production, uh last film that you worked on, um something that was like really kind of a key element that helped you and you think would be something that you could kind of pass along to the rest of the community. Is there something that comes to mind that you kind of absorbed through this experience or um, thus far?
2: Yeah. One, one thing I always like to kind of impart on, actually, I'm going to give you two things that are like kind of different. I uh, just, one, just two, one, I'm just trying to, oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> two <laughs> things I always like tell students and, and people that are, you know, anybody who's looking for knowledge is, um, while you're creating your, whatever your thing is, your, your idea, your, your image, um, I I find it very helpful to be very in love with the idea. I get a lot of confidence from that. The thing while I'm working on it is the best thing ever. Um, I feel great about it. I'm jamming on it. It's great. Sometimes there's a struggle, of course, but I try to really believe in the idea that I am working on at the time. Once that idea is done, um, it's best to treat it like it's no longer yours. Uh, It doesn't owe you anything, and you don't have any ownership of it. And when it goes like up on the wall for review or on the the movie theater screen, um, if you can divorce yourself from it, you're gonna have an first of all an easier time in your career because you're not gonna get bent out of shape when people criticize it. But also, you're gonna get to try to see, you'll have an opportunity to see it with fresh eyes, and that's where you'll hopefully you know where I've found I've been able to like make my greatest leaps is by able to disassociate myself from my own work and see it as if it's somebody else's. And then I can criticize it. And then you go back and you start a new painting with all this energy and you're like, oh, this is the best. I I, fi- I figured it all out now. Mm. And then you're done and it's up on the wall and you're like, you know, there's a lot about that that could be better. Mm. Um, and somebody should try harder next time, you know, and, and then you go back and <laughs>
0: Oh, that's great. That's great sound advice. That's something I actually just dealing with today because I just released one of my films and I, and every, and it was funny because my friend's like, Oh, how you feeling? I'm like, it's good. It's done and it's dead to me now. That's what (laughs) it's like. It's, it's now belongs to people. It doesn't belong to me anymore. It's like when I bring up Radiohead again, I remember Tom York saying like the saddest time of making albums is always when they have to release them because they're like these pure things that they didn't have to share with anybody that, but they do eventually because that's how they make their living. But once they become somebody else, it's like they're criticized or whatever. They're like, they're digested or misaligned. And it's heartbreaking to them being the creators because so much of their music is them. And so it's like they're they're being criticized within themselves, you know. But you're, that's great advice. And that's such a hard thing to do. Such a struggle. I'm sure people are listening and myself included. Such a struggle to remove yourself it from is, your work.
2: It always is. I have and, a hard time with it. And I still do, but it's like it's something to strive for.
0: That's a great one. Uh,
2: the, the other piece of advice, and this one, this one especially, I think is for younger. Um, I mean, it's for everybody, but young, you know, for the young kids in college that are working twenty hours a day, um, locked up in their studio, trying to compete. Um, You're not working hard <clears throat> enough. I'm joking. Yeah, keep. There's still hours, you know. No, no it's um, make sure you go and um, live your life because. You're, you're all going to get to the level. Eventually you kind of, eventually you kind of cross this barrier without yourself knowing it. And you're, you're surrounded by tons of people and you're supposed to be there. You you know, there's no imposter syndrome anymore. You might feel it, but you actually are supposed to be there and you are a decent artist. You can draw and paint. Well, what is going to separate you is um, your taste And your taste is developed, in my opinion, from your experiences in life. And that, I think, is when I'm looking for artists to work with. um, They're all good at drawing and painting, but it's the ones that have a taste that aligns. They have an interesting point of view on life. And um, some of that is definitely gained from the hours of hard work. But a lot of that is from just the living living your life you know that kid i was talking about who's now a, an adult and is an artist and doing very well he um asked me after first year university he was like dude what studio should i try to what, after his first year of university what it's like what do you have any internships you know are there any studios you think i should work at and i told him you know my first year after university, I went and worked in a bar and found the woman I love and had a crazy experience. And it led me eventually led me across the country and, and um, which tumbled into the next thing. It's like that stuff is all a part of me. And it is, is in the artwork because your artwork will always be very much a part of yourself. So get out there and um, get away, go, live some life. So you got something to to make art out of, uh, for out of, you know, some ideas of your own. I love it.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's such sound advice. And I think that's advice coming from a person that's a veteran that's been through ups and downs and done a lot of things. And I couldn't agree more. One of the things I'm currently in love with, and I know uh, Olaf can, can attest to this as well. Cause he is as well. We both love photography, cinematography yeah. and being like a CGI guy. Photography and falling in love with photography is actually one of the biggest godsends and blessings in my life because it allows me to get out of my office, observe the known universe and the known world around me and just like go and be in it and, and realize like how complex it is and how beautiful it is and capturing it. And, and using that as inspiration to push back into it. But you're absolutely right. Like, you know, how you took that journey across the country and found your wife and fell in love and all these things go into your work. And I look for the exact same things when I work with somebody. I do not look for somebody that just knows how to push the buttons. I look for somebody. What's your taste? What's your style? What are you interested in? Um, what are your values? Like, what are you interested in? But for me, those are the people that I, I I'm most interested in working with. Um and I think yeah, a lot of and, people are the people that are making really uh, great work, I think are looking for that you know
2: yeah, yeah and you know <clears throat> it occurred to me at a young age I was thinking about like I was thinking about like a, to- a to- I was like a Tom Clancy book and I was like, nobody's reading this because he knows how to write really well. Mm-hmm. They're reading it because he knows all about this like military stuff and all that. so it's like not only does he have to be a writer, he needs to have this particular interest which he's all about and then he used the writing is just his way of communicating his interest in something and that's all the drawing and painting is it's just it's just our way of communicating i'm not i don't i'm not great at writing you know so it's this is my way of communicating the things i'm interested in
0: yeah yeah absolutely amazing 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 episode great man thank you so much i really appreciate you coming on thank you both so much yeah all right. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed getting time to meet Patrick and also spend more time with Olaf. It was really great. Um, big thank yous, obviously, to Patrick for coming on and sharing his time uh, with us because I know he's busy. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. You know where to find links. You can always go to the slash 197 to find specific notes and links and all that stuff for this particular episode. Also, check it out on our Facebook and Twitter and iTunes podcast page, iTunes podcast page. Um, yeah, hopefully this gives you guys some inspiration, some news and go out there and be awesome. You know how it goes, everybody. This is how we end the podcast. Go out there, be powerful, be prolific. Peace out, everybody.